everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of Third Man In, three of my podcast. Uh, you've got Mike Hickey here alongside... Charles. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I found just your name so fucking funny just now. <laughs> we're, yeah, um, we're into it here today already. Uh, yeah. Well, we've been here for a bit already. Uh, we've been all over the place for this episode. I know. We made it all the way at the Torbay. <laughs> Fuck. This is also the but, second uh, episode 11 we did because we did the same spot in Torbay. Yeah. So I'm saying keep You two did. Of, I didn't really. Keep, I didn't do that part. Put two of them in there. Um, cause yeah, so, uh, we're recording this, it's late for us, it's Monday evening, so we're trying to get this out quick. TR, unfortunately, couldn't be with us, uh, in person right here, right now. We do have him from something we recorded yesterday, uh, so you'll hear his, uh, soothing tones, uh, shortly, but, um. Deep, raspy baritone. Yeah, we just wanted to, uh, get into some stuff. We've got James Melindy on the show today, uh, the show, which of course is brought to you by Head Check Health. I didn't say that right away, but thank you to our sponsor, Head Check Health. Uh, always a huge, uh, supporter of the show. And, um, and yeah, so we just wanted to get into it because we, we've got James on the show. We've already had a chat with him. That's been pre-recorded. We also had a chance to chat to, uh, TR's good buddy, former roommate, Mr. Steve Parsons, who happened to be in town this weekend. And we were out checking out some legends of hockey. I actually did play by play. Horribly, by the way, Chris Nyland nailed. Uh, Nyland yelled at you. <laughs> Chris Nyland uh, told me off. Uh, called you a kid? I, he called. I I don't remember him calling me kid. I was mostly just doing my best not to poop myself. But I, uh, for whatever reason, completely like knowing better, uh, referred to uh, Chris Nyland as Chris Nyland repeatedly. And I was for there. The first, and I didn't help for the first whole period of the game because the way that was happening was they had me do play by play to the room, uh, so everybody in the stands was hearing me. It was really weird. I've never, never even been at a game where that's happened before. I don't you think wore a suit. I wore a suit. It was NHLers. I was going to wear a suit, Charles. Um, I wish I hadn't, but I did. <laughs> Um, it was, it was, it was a gag that just didn't, it was a joke that never landed. But anyway, uh, during the intermission as Chris Nyland is, uh, sniping some on some small children, uh, cause of course they, they, you know, they play against the local legends as well in the intermission. They bring out all like the Tim bits players and stuff. And he's going around and, and playing with them and shooting pucks and stuff. And then he comes over and goes, hey, you kid up there and shouts at me. He's like, my name is not Nyland. It's Nyland. Nyland, like just completely calls me out on it. I wasn't trying to. That wasn't me trying to do any kind of voice or anything. This is just it was I, it was terrifying. I thought he was going to fight you. I thought he was going to start I, a fight I thought by Knuckles the Zamboni was coming. door. I thought Knuckles was coming. Ah, ah, you're going to get I, that. You're going to get that in 20 minutes. I thought that. I thought. Yeah. But Chris Nyland. um, was was not happy with me and I feel very bad. So apologies to inevitable guests on the show. Uh Chris Nyland. And um and but what was really bad was like there was a couple other guys in that game like um um oh I don't even have the sheet in front of me but Katsopoulos was there and playing and of course every time I said his name after I fucked up Nylon I was just like oh god like Le Templier was playing in net and I was just like oh fuck I'm gonna ruin all these names and I just was hyper aware but it also made me hyper aware like these guys can hear everything I'm saying so if I'm just like oh pass got away from them if I can't like chirp them for fucking up at all because they can hear me so I had to be like super aware of just like the last thing I want is like and, and Wendell Clark passes over to Chris Nyland, but Nyland can't handle the pass. And then all of a sudden, Nyland's up in the stands well, coming said, after him. You would have said Nyland. I would have. Depending, just, on, depending would, on the time just, of the game. Just depending on when it was. 
but uh, it was super fun. It was that was you know that might be a my old baby moment of the week. That's getting your the, old baby moment getting, of the week. Getting the call to do play by play for NHL alumni like three hours before the game. That one, that was that was that made me go of, oh of baby. That, I, but it was also the least old baby thing because I handled it with none of the the class uh, uh, professionalism or uh, grace of Mr. Bob Cole. It was it's true. It, it was it was by bad. Play and it was Bob. Yeah, it, it was okay. it was yeah. It was not good though. Uh, Mike was wearing a suit. I brought him a coffee and called him Mr. Hickey all night. It was good. It was fun. <laughs> what I really should uh, the, the the big missed opportunity here is that um, we didn't get them to bring back the microphone from the girl who sang the national anthem because we should have taken that mic and had you do color the whole time. No, I did color for a uh, CIS hockey game in uh, I, I think the rink was in Dartmouth, but I'm not sure. Uh, my brother did play by play and he uh, got me to do color and I was a disaster I assume so oh my god I uh, I don't even know I, I assume so just because you're a disaster in your personal life I don't and know if from what I know of you I just <laughs> you're not wrong Mike you're not wrong I don't even know if my brother kept that gig after that. I <laughs> you think, got him fired? I think you were that bad. You got him fired? I call him after this, but oh, I think man. I was that bad. They were like, we got to let you, like, you can't be doing this anymore. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't bring in this inexperienced guy. Yeah, it, it was, was, it was, it was, I, I loved it. It was fun. I wish I let myself enjoy it more because the because uh, I didn't have as much fun with it as I should have, and that was my big thing. Mm. Was I handled it with way too much reverence, and was just way too like this past year and this past year, and I wasn't joking around, and I wasn't getting into it, and I wasn't having fun, and I wasn't, you know, calling out goals and being like a big. Sweet. I wasn't being colorful I, enough, and uh, that's on me. And the next time I get that opportunity, which will actually come up uh, soon, because uh, that's something else that's made me go, oh baby, as we've uh, oh, we're talking um, to. Ready for foreshadowing here. <laughs> talking to uh talking to the the great people at the heart and stroke foundation who do uh hockey heroes weekend every year here in st john's it's a great event they do it a couple different spots uh and they have a bunch of the, uh nhl alumni including some of the guys that played uh at least one of them ally afraidy is on the list this year he was there uh last night he'll be back um, so Al will be around for that and they're always adding names and stuff, but we are going to be, uh, helping out with, with them and we'll be present that weekend. We'll be doing some stuff. We're going to be talking to some of the people, uh, who are taking part in it, uh, like leading into it. So some fun stuff's happening, happening there. And we might, we've been talking about one of the things we might do is some play by play, uh, either to the room or, uh, we might just do it and just like live stream some stuff or have some fun with it that way. So there's going to be some stuff there. I'm going to get to hone my chops as a play by play. Play by play announcer, but the but bringing the humor to it. I take things I take things too far every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's fine. Like, like that Eddie Murphy bit. You take things too far. Is Gus is Gus's brother? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> the Eddie Murphy delirious joke didn't oh, land. Man. No, I haven't seen Delirious in so long. Yeah, don't don't. Uh, you got to watch that one every three years. But yeah, I gotta. I can't remember. I can't remember if it's purple suit or red suit. I prefer that's the way I don't know. Uh, I, I don't suit, know. Red suit is raw. Purple yeah. suit is delirious. I always said if I won the lottery, yeah. very high on my list <laughs> is getting suits both in. of those suits tailor made to me. And not like, and I am not a fit person for anyone who's met me. Like I could be the poster <laughs> boy of the, the dad bod. What, what, what layer of lotto though? Like if you win 50-50 at a growlers game, are you doing this? Um, Not 50-50 to growl. Literally anything that's like a hundred thou on a lotto max or a, like literally not set for life type thing. No. If I win like pl play money, and here and here's on the list. Can can I ask you something? Is it something where 
are you going to do it so that within the two to three day turnaround of when you find out you win and when you go to get the big novelty check, Ooh. would you get it made for that? Shit, I didn't think about that. Because that's what you should do. Do you know what I think that's about? That's what you should do. I should. Do you know what I think about when I get, if I get one of those suits? Yeah. I always think about wearing it to the St. John's Regatta and just eating like a hot dog or something and, and just acting totally just, normal. Just not totally, saying a yeah, word. Just not just, bringing any attention to and the I, fact. And I hope it's one of those summers where it's like 36 <laughs> degrees on the lake oh, yeah. and you're just there in, oh. the, in the beer garden with a hot dog yeah. in like 30 degree weather in like yeah. a purple leather suit. Oh yeah, the full the boots and everything, man. Yeah. The white boots and everything. Yeah. Just, uh, oh yeah, that's, that's on the list. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Bar toy too. Eh? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that zipper Taylor, is Taylor hanging. Yeah. Taylor made, but a size but, too small. Yeah, the Costanza rule. That zipper is hanging on for dear life. <laughs> Two or three black horse, boom, takes oh, out man. the eyes of the rowers in the boat. Oh, okay. Well, we've gone off the rails already. Here we today. have. Yeah. And you know, you know what I think is a good way to get it back on is if we take a minute and go and, and travel to Torbay. Um, because while we were there yesterday, we did set up for uh, a minute. We were hoping to uh, get some uh, a chance to talk to some of the other alumni because TR actually played in that game. Uh, had a beauty wraparound goal, oh, by the way. Yeah. yeah, beauty. Also, he didn't wear any shoulder pads. Well, just, no, it was I, a it was a wreck game. Still, man, Gary Lehman was ripping I've seen, slappers. I, I've seen TR like play without a helmet. Like he just, <laughs> I've he never I, last night. He did. Okay. I've never, I've never seen TR play like a, a game of shinny with shoulder pads on. Wow. I've never played against him where he's worn shoulder pads. Wow. Or with or against him. Tough. But tough. Well, I, you know, I wear like the smallest shoulder pads imaginable. Like my shoulder pads are basically like a re like they've recreated those old Sean, Cooper ones. Sean Thornton specials. They're just yeah, like they're barely there. Fabric. They're barely there. Yeah, it's just basically it's basically like you know so that if I get a puck up around the chest or something, it doesn't hurt as much. That's all they're there for. <laughs> It's just the peace of mind of I know I, I'll get hit if I I've worn I've gone games where I didn't wear them. And the first thing that happens is a shot to flex up and catches me like off the chest. So I'm just like, ah, no, fuck it. I'll wear the right wear the little the tiny shoulder pads, um, which was also because <laughs> that just makes me think of the, the conversation we had about you and the telly 10. <laughs> and I don't even want to have let's, let's, let's keep that we're gonna off skip the over that. If you want to deep yeah. dive into Charles's Instagram and find out what we're talking about, don't <laughs> if you want to deep dive into my Instagram. That's a sentence. But while we were there, we were hanging out. Uh, with Steve Parsons and Pars, great guy, buddy of Terry's who uh, they played some, they spent some time together in Hershey. Um, and uh, Pars is a bit of a journeyman. If you listen to Spitting Chicklets, another great hockey podcast, uh, he was just on the show last week, but it just so happened that he was in town and hanging out with us while we had microphones around. So, of course, we threw one in his face like any good friend would do. Yeah. Um, and so we had it 20 minutes or so uh, before the game where we chatted to Parsons. And so here is us yesterday talking to Steve Parsons at the Jack Byrne Arena. You can even hear the uh, buzzers and well, it was it was like there was like a little kids game happening, and so every two minutes they were sounding off the buzzer uh, to let you know when to change lines. They weren't because they don't change they don't change on the fly was. at that age. Every two minutes the buzzer what goes. That was. Uh, but we're I gonna say kids were just ripping them. Oh no, <laughs> no, there wasn't a goal horn. Uh, <laughs> No, but we'll uh, we'll listen to uh, that interview we recorded yesterday, and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Okay, uh, ladies and gents, I'm sure we probably explained this already, but we do this out of order. So um, we're at right now. Um, I'm here. It's TR. I'm here with my buddy Steve Parsons. Now, um, where will I start? Uh, we're at the Jack Byrne Arena in St. John's, Newfoundland. 
Torbay, because, actually. Uh, beautiful Torbay. Oh, yes, in Torbay, Except Newfoundland. You're episode right. 11, boys, we maxed out two hands. That's <laughs> it. We got two hands maxed out. Episode 11. <laughs> True. We're a contender. Um, and um, so we're playing a, I'm playing an NHL alumni games, I guess, a series of them here in Newfoundland. We played in Fogo Island last night, which was a treat. I'll talk about that when I got time to do it. But right now, my buddy's in town, Steve Parsons, for different reasons. Uh, he's in town visiting, and he's one of my good buddies, was my roommate in Hershey on the road. And uh, we lived together in Calgary for a little bit. He was nice enough to have me stay at his house when I was down on my luck a little bit, about 10 years ago, looking for work. And uh, I ended up playing for the Bentley Generals. Uh, the thing about Steve, Steve was on Spitting Chicklets last week here. So I want to say to everybody, and I know Biz listens here and there, I'm going to call him right after this. You know, we're not trying to fucking hijack their guests. Steve's my good buddy. I've known him for a long time, and I'm sure they'll understand. I just fe- felt that I needed to say that before we start because it would look odd. Um, for those who don't know what I'm talking about when I say spit and chicklets, I give your head a shake. If you're listening to this, uh, it's a great show. It's probably the best one there is. So I highly recommend listening to it. Anyway. The crowd here at Jack Byrne agrees. <laughs> yeah, they were cheering strictly for my speech just then, not because there's a game going on. Um, anyway, we're right. We're I, I got to go down and get ready in 15 minutes. So we're gonna have a little chat with Purse. First of all, welcome to St. John's Purse again. And uh, let's see, what have you been up to this year? What are you doing now uh, for an occupation? And then we'll get into your career. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Terry, it's always good to see you. I love this town. I love this place. I come through here in the American League as a player, and I've been here a few times visiting since. I've got some family that lives here, so it's it's on my regular uh, regular stops. And every time I come down. Down home here, it's, uh, it never disappoints. And uh, spending time with you guys is always great. But um, now I, I'm living in Calgary. Um, I've got a wife and three little kids. We, um, I work in the oil, oil patch. We have a services company there. And uh, just get up and give her every day. I got that. And I got a little hockey company. And got some hockey along. company. That's interesting. We'll get back into that. Um, but you are very much still in touch with the game. Press plays a lot of rec hockey and also does a lot of hockey schooling kind of thing. Hockey schools kind of thing. Clinics. So, Paris, listen, my, my, Paris played for a lot of teams, um, NHL exhibition games, never got to dress for an actual show game, but put in his time, and I mean out of nowhere, I say one of the biggest success stories in hockey that I ever played with guys, and I'll tell you why, I don't even know if you guys know this. Steve Parsons, after playing a bit of a journeyman in junior, I know played in the Rocky Mountain Junior Hockey League with myself, I played with Quinnell. That's Stevie a league, man, that's a name you do Rocky not Mountain. hear every day. Oh, hey, man. All the tough guys went there, you, you were doing? in Cranbrook, right Stevie? Well, there, that league Tell was Tell a story about that. Wow, <laughs> the league itself, I mean, there was the North Division and the South Division, each division had five teams, and so when you had to go North, you literally played five games in five nights. Oh my God. so you'd start in Williams Lake, and then you go to Quenelle, then Prince George, Fort St. John, Grand Prairie. Good memory. And as a a young up and comer, you know, I was trying to take the next step, and I think that year alone, I think I had 350 penalty minutes, and you got kicked out for fighting then. So uh, I'd go five for five on the road. It'd be the badge of honor if you could go five for five, not only play, but fight. So, uh, and then you guys would go south and do the same thing, so. It was it was a, it was an old iron league. There was no age, no limit on twenty year olds, so there was teams that have six, seven, eight, twenty year olds. Now teams are limited to two or three, so it was a it was a tough old league. Especially for a young guy like you and me, Paris, at that time. Now, you went on and you explained a little bit. So I'm going to avoid the whole Kamloops experience, how good they were, and that you played there for a little bit. I'm, but I'm going to say you 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 moved from the Western League to the Quebec League. Um, what was it like as a player, given the styles of game at the time? 
I think we're quite different. A Quebec League, uh, that wasn't that rough, was it? Well, at that time... They had tough guys, right? George Larocque was in the league then. Um, okay. Peter oh, yeah. Worrell was in the league then. Uh, Joel Terrio was in the league then. Louis there Bedard. Was good, there, okay, I'm, I'm afraid of no, all these guys. Oh, no, here's the thing, though, Chuck. With the difference, the Western League was team tough. Everybody, you know, I don't know if they had as many... Paris, correct me if I'm wrong. You played them both. I didn't. But I looked at it as... In the West, you were more likely to get a fight out of Brent Ashcroft on our team, who was probably the smallest guy. He still might get in a fight. It was team tough. You went there, and there was three or four heavyweights on a team, but maybe some guys that played Sebastian Bordelow-ish, who you mentioned on the last show. Am I wrong, Park? No, you're not wrong. And I, I was much more confident in the Quebec League than I was in the WHL. In the WHL, I didn't have any confidence. I looked around, and I was... Maybe because you grow up and, you, and and when you're in that role, you're looking at guys like they're way tougher than you. Then all of a sudden you're across from them, and you're like, oh my god, you know, can I can I do this? And I, I had a I had a real hard time with that. When I went to the Quebec League, I didn't have that problem. I was 19 by then. I I'd, I'd accepted my role to my my position in the team, and and I and I kind of took that on. So and your role being a tough guy at the time, sure. Because you put up some numbers, Paris. I know it was a decision um, for you to do it, and. You can get into that if you want, but you know you can play, Paris. You can play. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, I like playing D, right? Like D is where the ice time is, and they told me a couple times in my career that if you want to make the next level, you you can't play D. You're not quick enough. And I'd argue with them and get cut, and then I'd resign myself to playing forward, and then I'd make it, and then I tried to play D again and get cut again. So it was a cycle. That's something I remember watching um, one of the HBO series is not too long ago. Um, they had the Road to the Winter Classic, and there was a when you're a guy in the minors for a very long time, you become a grizzly, old, a grizzly old vet a lot quicker than an actual grizzly old vet. And I remember they had, I think it was Matt Hendricks, who has some career longevity, and it showed him, like, just after a fight, his face was caved in, his foot was in what looked like a bag of iodine, like some 1930s surgery shit, and he would explain that somewhere along the way in those junior ranks, it was, well, listen, you know what? If, if you want to stick around, you can play, absolutely, but... You're gonna have to make the conscientious effort to say throw the mitts, and I don't know if that happens as much anymore. This is probably about ten years ago already that I watched that, but hearing that that coming from you know in the in the junior ranks is very interesting too. I think it's a human condition is a survival of the fittest, right? No matter what you're doing, and and if you've got if you've got singers and dancers, your best your best singers have to sing, and your best dancers have to dance, and so if you don't know who you are, they'll tell you. Yeah, but you know you have a choice. You could say no, I'm not into that. You could stay. In, I, I could have stayed in the Double A leagues, East Coast League, or the United League, or the Central League, and and played for ten years and played a regular shift and and been a contributor on the score sheet. Or I could pursue an NHL dream, you know, on on someone else's terms. And th- and that's what I chose to do. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I wasn't able to make the NHL, um, but you know what? I think it was still a. I overachieved to get there. I was never well, drafted. Purse, listen, not to cut you off, but I need to right there because. This is the part of the story that I said why he's one of the biggest success stories. Purse not only went to Canadian University route, what was the league, Purse? It was the college, Alberta, you played, what was the college you played at? Uh, the ACAC, I played at the Concordia. Went, this is after junior, he played at Concordia and ACAC, Alberta. Okay, so I don't know if anybody out there realizes this, there are the odd person goes from the CIS to pro, I don't know if they go to the AHL, and I certainly know they don't from Concordia, ACAC. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so Paris fights back <laughs> and go. Now, Paris, that's the part of the story that I'm so impressed with. So just tell us a little bit about how you came out of that and ended up playing 
within minutes, well, months in the American Hockey League because that was fucking tough. I don't know anybody else that's still done it. Well, I, I was I was in the Concordia College and I had an opportunity to get transferred to University of Alberta Golden Bears and they're a storied, storied organization. And I also had a tryout in Milwaukee in the IHL offered to me at the same time and I had to make a choice. Do I chase the NHL or do I go get my finish my schooling? And so I told myself and my family I'd give it three years for an NHL game and after that we'll, we'll hit the reset button and take another look. And so the first year I ended up in uh, Milwaukee and a tryout and then Madison and then I finished the year in Fort Wayne in the United League. And then that summer I went to a conditioning camp in Boston with Paul Vincent Sr. and a man I've by been, the I've been to that in it, Cape Cod. It was amazing. Yeah, it was is amazing. it ever? I didn't know that. V uh, Vinny LeCavier and Brad Richards were there. They'd just been drafted and um, and I was skating, doing this power skating stuff, and this guy came over to me and says, hey, you're never seen you before, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from out west. And he says, oh, you skate okay, uh, can, can you fight? Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm not bad at it. Do you like doing it? But yeah, I don't mind it. And uh, his name was Neil Shea, and he was a scout for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he, he uh, asked me if I'd come to camp. And so he signed me in the parking lot to a, tra a training camp <laughs> On the hood of his car after I give him a tape. What era of the Pittsburgh Penguins is this? Is this like mid nineties? Uh, Mary eighteen hundreds. Late eighteen hundreds. It was the summer of two thousand. Okay, so this is like bankrupt. They had to give the team to Mario, and fellas are signing contracts on the hood of their car. Well, it wasn't a contract. It was a tryout <laughs> to come to camp. But I was thrilled, right? I called oh, my dad, my mom. I couldn't believe it. And you know, being out west, I was typecast. And people knew me. I was profiled, mm -hmm. right? So I didn't get. You know, they knew uh, Parsons can't play Parsons. They'd seen me for 10 years. But when I went out east and I was new scouts, new eyes, and I had some confidence and some swagger, and, and I believed in myself, this new guy looked at me, and he gave me a shot, and, and, and he, he, he stood up for me to Craig Patrick. They took me to two camps. Wow, Craig Patrick. The second year, they signed me to an NHL deal. That's unbelievable, Parsons. That's my favorite part of your whole story. So not only that, now, I can pick a lot of these areas to go because not only does Pars have – did you set the record? Was it 64 penalty minutes in one game? Yes, that's right. Okay, and I'm sure a lot of you want to. Maybe we'll have Paris back. I don't want to talk about that right now because you talked a lot about. You spoke a lot about it on Spit and Chicklets. Um, so what I am going to talk about, Paris, what I am going to talk about, which you you kind of touched on, but you went to camp. Parks and Paris ended up playing with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So you were in camp with Mario Lemieux, yep. right? Yep. And you played on Mario's team. That's right. So tell us a, a little, even repeat yourself if you want. I just love this story. But, like, tell us a little bit about how that experience all went down and how it was for you. Well, it was it was awesome. I've got a question Shoot. first. When I picture Mario Lemieux, I picture, like, there's not a single hair out of place on his head. <laughs> He's, like, six foot six, filled out, possibly made of gold. And, shit. like, is, is that... Is that the reaction you had walking into a dressing room and he's sitting That's there? That's a great or? way to describe him. Yeah. You know, two things about Mario that stand out that anyone that meets a guy. Number one, when he walks in the room, if you don't see him walk in the room, you can feel him in the room. He's just one of those guys. You're like, someone, someone's here. And you look around and there's Mario. And the other one is his nickname. And, I, and I'm not friends with the guy by any means, but I got to know him briefly and, and ran into him a few times over the years. But Ace. Yeah. Ace. Yeah. Like, it, does it get any better cool. than that? That's is there cool. a better wow. nickname than Ace? That is great. That's not bad know. at all. Is, so, is there like an inside club to drop that nickname if I run into no, him somewhere? I don't know, man. Maybe I'm like, saying hey, something Ace. I shouldn't, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. Personally, you got to know him to say that to him. You I know, appreciate the story. It's I got, like I got lucky. Like, I played on his team in camp. Him. and uh, Yeah, I mean, Purse, what was that fucking like? You were Again, two years before or three, you were in 
the EC or the Two ACAC. Years. Two, Two years, years before you're in Canadian wow. college. That's what I'm saying, guys. Like he's playing against some junior B guys one year. Within the two years, 48 months, he's skating with Mary Lemieux on his line in camp. Purse, just elaborate a little bit more, please. Oh, actually, you know, I, I got to be right here. Mario was the second year I was there. It was Yager the first year, okay. Mario the second. So well, it was three years before I got to Mario. And I was on his team in camp. And it, it was um, it was fun because... Did anybody hit him or anything? Well, he, he kind of had a bit of a grudge with a guy. And so he went, oh. after, he went after a certain guy. Oh, Billy. no. And oh, he God. went after Billy, and Billy responded, and I left the bench and dealt with Billy, and it became pretty newsworthy, and there's a really neat article where they interview me, and they interview Mario, and they interview Billy, and, and I said, I'd, I'd fight my brother if they attack Mario Lemieux. It doesn't matter. That hey, guy man, sends my check. That's a great story. I don't care what. I'd, I'd trade 50 NHL games for, uh, you know, getting to fight for Mario Lemieux. Yeah, That's policing for Lemieux signed yeah, me it's up. Just, it's got such a ring to uh, it. I'll share something with you. We played an exhibition game. It was Pittsburgh versus Wilkes-Barre in Wilkes-Barre. And they put Mario on Wilkes-Barre. I remember that. And the jerseys were selling for a right? absolute fortune. Yeah, It was unbelievable. I, yeah. And he never played a game in the American League, exhibition, regular season, otherwise. So, they don't count that on Hockey DB, though. They yeah, won't I put know, up an AHL know, number. But in the near the end of the first period, he came out of the corner along the goal line and he shot the puck, and he banked it off the goal. He's far padding in, his patented I've, goal that he does, I've right? I've seen him do that, yeah. And I watched the linesman get the puck out of the net and take it to center and give it to the ref. Dropped the puck, period ended. Everyone went to the room. I hopped on the ice, I it across the ice, I picked up the puck, and I put it in my pants. So I went and put it in my pants and played the rest of the game. After the game, they post a lineup on who's going back to Pittsburgh, and I'm not on there. I'm, the manifesto doesn't include Steve Parsons to go back to <laughs> Pittsburgh, so I'm getting cut. And Mario says, did you make the flight? I said, nah. He's like, ah, it's too bad. You just keep working hard. I said, yeah. I said, I see you're giving all these guys these co sticks and stuff. I, he goes, I got nothing left. I said, that's okay. I said, I got the puck you scored a goal with tonight. You want to sign that for me? <laughs> Happy to. So I got a Wilkes-Barre Scranton wow. buck signed by Mario that he scored a goal with. I've actually seen that, but I, I don't know why. I must have forgotten the story. You must have told me over beers or something. Um, and Purse, you ended up, uh, was, it, was it Stephen Pete you fought? Uh, were you playing for Pittsburgh in exhibition then? You were playing for Boston. Boston. You were for Boston. That was a Boston game. He was with Washington, right? He was with Washington. We were getting ready for the game and Joe Thornton was was such a nice guy and he's younger than me but he called me kid. I don't know why. But I didn't mind. (laughs) It's a a Newfoundland thing around here, you know. The the older guys will still call you young fella even though they're a couple of years younger than you. I'll take it. Anytime (laughs) I get called young, I'll take it. Hey, he's actually been here. Joe Thornton came to Teddy Purcell Ryan Clough golf tournament a few times, so maybe you picked it up here. Uh, I'm, only, I'm only shitting you, but that's a story in itself. We'll get Teddy to tell it one time. Go ahead, Paris. So we're getting ready for warm-up, but in the American League, this is I'd played in the American League by then two or three years, and as a tough guy, I never wore a helmet, and I always chewed gum and rode the line and played the role, and yeah, whatever, right? I used it was to love when Paris used to stand on the red line, turn his back to the warm-up of his own team, and just stare into the other end. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> It was my favorite part of the game was seeing Paris do that, and he'd just stand there, sometimes for the whole warm-up. Go ahead. Uh, 15 minutes is my most ice time I got, so I took every advantage to get a sweat on. But we're getting ready to go out for the ice, and the clock's in the room, and it's ticking down, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go. And we're all geared up to go out the door for the warm-up, and it's exhibition. It's a big deal for me. And there's a bunch of other rookies there that it's a big deal for. And I take two strides, I turn around, I grab my helmet, and I put it on my head. And Joe says, what are you, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, would you, wear, would you wear a helmet in the American League? I said, never. 
He said, be your own man. So I, I spiked my helmet back into my stall, took my NHL warm-up with no bucket on, stretched on the red line like old time's sake, and had a, had a gas and, and had, a, had a fun game. That is beautiful. What, what about the game? I got to take off now. You guys are going to take, take it home, though, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, but I do have to ask you one more question. Purse, what do you remember? Uh, how many exhibition games did you get in? I think six. Six. What do you remember about the NHL that stands out to you? It might be the quickness of the passes, for example, or, or the fans, or, you know, that's what I'm getting at. What, what aesthetically in your head sticks out? Wow, you know, I think, I think, I think really what jumps out the most is, is how well serviced, how well taken care of everybody is. Like, they treated everybody, like the trainers got treated well, we treated the trainers well, they treated us well, the staff, the coaches, the bus drivers, the just, just the level of professionalism that, that is reeked of everything. It was just a cut above the expectations, um, and, you know, in terms of the culture. But then on the ice itself, just how, how good the guys were. Like, I realized really quickly, like, there's a reason I'm not in this league. <laughs> like, these guys are it's good. good. It was the passes. It was the quick passes. Oh, That's the first thing I noticed was, you know, it's on your stick. If you just skate up and down your wing, it's almost easy to fit in. It's harder to stand out, yeah. but it's easy to yeah. – I, I don't want to use the word easy. But, you, you know, I mean, you're playing with a guy like Pierre Turgeon or someone. For me, I'm coming out, my stick's on the ice, I get the puck. And I wasn't, I was almost not used to that. Oh, like, God, man. You know what I mean? Well, the f first year in camp, they had me on a team, and there's only nine fours, but one of the fours, nine fours, one didn't show. So it was only eight of us. So me and the other winger, our first line was Robert Lang, Martin Straka, and Alexei Kovalev on our training camp line. And they told them to rotate through as our centermen. So these guys double shifted each period. And so every shift I had with Alexei Kovalev or Martin Straka, those, guys were, those guys were pretty good, right? Wow, I looked good that day. I was flying around, high-stepping, shooting pucks, fighting guys, running guys. I thought I was an NHL player. And then they put like a regular junior guy with me and everything came back down to earth. But they made me look good, right? Like they're that good that they make you look good. Last thing I'll say before I go, I keep saying it, but I do have to go now. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite city, minor or major, anywhere? Your favorite Ooh, city good question. Hockey for hockey reasons. Hockey reasons. Well, like I, you, you know, you visited. You could have visited Grand Prairie last week uh, in the oil patch, and it's a great place. And you might have loved it. You might have, you and Charity might have gone out to dinner. I mean, for hockey, re where have you been? Like for me, I got a guess. Toledo here. stands out as a hockey. I have memories there, but I wouldn't necessarily like to stay in Toledo. But there, there are places. I love Chicago, for example. It's probably for the way, the vibe at the games, to the hotel. We stayed in the Drake Hotel. To the whole look of it, the vibe. I was there in the spring. It probably had an impact walking along the water. I remember the Cubs. Like, you know, that was probably the favorite city that I got to go to because of hockey, for sure, example. Sure, sure. Because of hockey. You know, most of mine are in the minors, but a couple of places jump out at me. You know, and I, I'm a real fan of the game, too, but I, I love playing in Hershey. Ah, uh, that was my guess. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay, when you mentioned, by when you Hershey. mentioned Hershey, everyone that I've spoken to have played, like, played for Hershey. They say that's the biggest hockey city in America. Well, it's just an old arena, right? It was the old Hershey Park Arena. Before I go on the Paris, road. because I, gotta, you, yeah. I want you to explain this as I go. Shakey's, we went to Shakey's, and me and Paris used to go and have a couple beers and go to a theater, movie theater, and there's 15 seaters. And there, all, it, was a, it was a set of theaters like, like anywhere, but they were like 15, 16 seats each. And uh, Shakey's, I can't remember, but that was the bar we were at, okay? See you later, buddy. See you, explain that. See you, buddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we so had, what was it about Hershey? 
Because I've know, heard this uh, from a bunch wanna, of people. You know, I loved Wilkes-Barre, and I loved everywhere I played. I loved Providence, and I loved Boston, and Pitt, and it was all great. But the thing about Hershey is that it had so much history. The arena was 90 years old. Um, the, the wooden roller coaster was there. The town smelled like chocolate. <laughs> it, it, and it was just a really unique place. Our coaches were Mike Foligno and Jay Wells, longtime NHL okay, guys. Yeah. We had an unbelievable playoff run that year. We were dark horses, and we came through. And, and, and they really taught me a lot about being a pro player and, and just great guys. And it was, I don't know, I love the town. It's an old, they say in hockey, everyone's separated by Hershey with like three degrees or something well, like it's that. It's the history of it. I think it's one of the AHL teams that have been kicking around for, if not 100 years, it's very, very close right now. And the history of it, from what I gathered, was more or less the owner of the chocolate family saw hockey, loved it, built a rink, and then from there it went. Sir Milton Hershey built a massive hotel, amusement park, school. Still to this day, it's there. And it's one of those schools, it's for underprivileged kids, I, I believe. And, and they bring in uh, sponsored kids and scholarship kids. And, and they've got, uh, you know, rodeo grounds and they've got planetariums. I didn't know and they've this. got arenas and they've got all sorts of different activities. And they really, really, really have, uh, you know, I think they've done very, very well for themselves. And like I said, three chocolate plants. No joke, the place smells like chocolate. Okay, the, all of the I didn't know any of that stuff behind the way from the hockey thing. It makes me feel a lot better the amount of Hershey bars I ate as a kid. <laughs> At least I was and contributed still do to and this still day. do as an you adult. You become a connoisseur when you live yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. Cookies and cream. That was one of the best ones. Yeah. Well, Terry and I were teammates there too. That's where we met. Okay. So he, he came in. I was playing there on a PTO, and they brought him in on a PTO. and. We became fast friends. I'm sure you can imagine how. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, well, thanks so much, Steve, for taking the time uh, to chat with us today. I uh, really appreciate you doing it while you're here in town. It's, it's great to have you here. And uh, we'll definitely have to get you back on, uh, on sometime soon. Thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. Thanks. Cheers. So a huge thanks to Paris for taking a couple of minutes to talk to us. I was not really, like even there for a lot of that interview it was just before i was going through uh, i had just gotten the lineups and stuff i at one point i think i even put down the headphones and went and had to go talk to the guy um so i was kind of a little distracted through all that and i apologize for it but uh it was great to hang out with parsons all night and hopefully uh we'll get to hang out with him again uh sometime soon he's a great guy great guy after the mics had stopped he gave me one of uh probably the best tips on extending the hockey db game i've ever gotten uh, oh how do you do that make it elite prospects and include all stats oh, god above help me <laughs> uh he threw out he uh he threw out the hometown oh yeah the not the state not the province not the nearest city the hometown there you and, go uh, yeah the guy but that's but it's interesting because then the the thing with that for one uh one thing to say about steve parsons of vancouver british columbia <laughs> is that you get guys like remember we had dave ling on the show and when we had david ling on the show he was the first one to correct me and be like well it says that i was born in halifax but that's just because mm -hmm. where the fucking hospital was and that's where i happened to be but my hometown is in pei that's, and that's, consider and that's the trick that's is the that, difference between someone who knows where a player is from and where a player is mm -hmm. from yeah but that's where that's a problem with your imdb or elite prospects hockey db game is that 
um, there's flaws with the whole thing. And I think that so much of hockey is anecdotal that that's one that's too, like you can, you can go on a chart and say where someone's hometown or where, where someone's, uh, played their career, Mm. but where someone's hometown is might be a little bit different. And when you try to say that, especially to a player, that's where you're going to get corrected. Well, I mean, we're not playing the hockey DB game at the Duke with David Ling, man. He's well, not sitting there. Uh, and on the hometown, on the hometown thing, uh-huh. uh, you go on to James Malimby's hockey DB. It don't say the Goulds. It says St. John's. Yeah, he's from the Goulds. Yeah, he's from the fucking Goulds. You get the point if you say the Goulds. Oh, yeah. No, yeah you get the extra point you if you say the, the Goulds? Point. <laughs> all right. All all right. We don't want no trouble here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and fun fact, though, um, of our uh, both the guests that we have on the show this week, both were uh, former Wheeling Nailers. Oh. Uh, which comes up during the uh, interview with uh, both, with James. Actually. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Parsons yeah. played with uh, the Wheeling Nailers in two thousand two thousand one. Talked about Wheeling and put up some big fucking numbers there too. Uh, he also played uh, for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton uh, Penguins and put up some huge penalty minute numbers while he was there. He's got a story, uh, and I don't know how we're going to cut this into the interview or whatever. Where are you going to put all this? He told a story about being in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, that was probably the epitome of the Penguins in that era. How he ended up to Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> it is the it it is the absolute epitome of how the Pittsburgh Penguins were run, and you'll know it when you hear it. All right. Well, I'm not going to cut anything. I'm just going to like drop yeah. the interview in and then okay. do nothing because yeah. it's you know. Right now it's eight o'clock on a Monday night, and this thing has to be on the internet okay. in fourteen hours. We'll, we'll so I'm not going to we'll do too too much we'll in terms of in terms of the. Uh, in terms of the edit, but uh, uh, let's get over. Let, let's let's move on from that. Even though uh, I would love to <laughs> go, because again, I didn't get a chance just because of the situation I was in yesterday with that. I didn't get to really dig in uh, when we were talking to Parse as much as I would like to. Um, but yeah, he, that was that was some beauty stuff there. And there's even some stuff where he ended up hanging out with us there all night, where we had the mic set up, like just up in the back of the, of the rink. Um, there's parts where I was just like, wait, was that was that a story that he told <laughs> during the show, or was that just like him talking talking to us after? Like I can't remember. And it's so cool because we never get we never have our guests in person. Mm, that's and it's true. even James Melindy, who uh, is here in town from the Goulds, uh, captain of the Newfoundland Growlers. Even that one was a phone call, and we in fact dropped the call and had to call dial back in. See if you could find the edit Ooh. point. Um, see, see when I ask him a question, the call got dropped while I was talking. Picked it back up, kind of rephrased the question, and what question he sort of didn't answer differently than what you're going to hear. Um, but let's get into our offsides this week. Uh, you got one there for us? I got you one. Got one. I got an offsides. I've got an offsides and I've got a hashtag hot take. I'm not going to mix the two up. The hot, hashtag hot take we'll do after Melinda. Yeah, I'm not going to. I think I mixed them up last week. I, it, I got them backwards. It happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, so my my intentional offsides uh, this week mm-hmm. is going to the queue of Tim Thomas apologists all over Twitter. And uh, the reason I say this is so obviously... You're listening to this on a Tuesday. Today was Monday. That's how the days of the week work. What happened on Monday? The Washington Capitals met with the President of the United States of America. He's not a very popular guy. We're going to leave his name completely out of this. Uh, So they met with him. Absent from the team. Have they done that yet? They've done that today. It was today? Yeah. So absent from the team was uh, the first person to say he's not going was Devontae Smith-Pelly. Uh, player number two was Brett Connolly. Brett Connolly has a Newfoundland connections. Good guy. 
so I'm told. And uh, player number three was, the, in my opinion, the biggest player is Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe came out, released a statement, and from there, obviously everybody framed it towards the, the last goalie that did this, and that was Tim Thomas. So obviously you, you get a lot of... I'm gonna I'm gonna call them what they are. You get a lot of chuds <laughs> becoming Tim Thomas apologists, and and to that I I just want to rant a little bit. If you omit politics altogether yep. from this, so you remove, and I'm I didn't say the name of the president. I'm not going to say the name of any of these presidents or these politicians that were involved. If you remove politics from it, this mm-hmm. is how it shook down. Wednesday, a com- like six days before Braden Holpe is set to meet this guy. He says, you know what? Can't do it. Can't do it. Not doing it. He not was, interested. Not interested. Got my reasons. Yep. Listed his reasons. Not doing them. That's four days. The Capitals weren't playing that night, so there's not a distraction in the locker room. There's no extra media trying to get a sound bite. There's no foolishness like that. Uh, Tim Thomas, on the other hand, he went rogue. He just didn't show up. He didn't show up, he didn't report, he didn't tell anybody, and he addressed it after players, management, uh, everybody were asked, where's Tim Thomas? And I believe one quote, and I, I didn't look up the player, but I think it was Tommy Coberlay, who had only won one cup, and his quote was, I was told by guys who won a lot of cup. I'm paraphrasing, I was told by a lot of guys who won the cup that this is the end of the line for that cup team. When you're when you win a Stanley Cup, there's that bottom six and there's extra character guys, they're moving pieces, they always yeah. leave. This is that last ride for that cup team. He came over from one of the I think it was either Finland or Sweden where he was playing at the time. He came over and the entire day was about Tim Thomas and the lack thereof Tim Thomas at that visit. Late in the evening, he made his statement on social media. The Bruins went into obvious damage control and said they they said two days later they'd known all along. By the way, was, uh, where um, where Thomas Caberlet was playing uh, at the time was Montreal. Oh, was it? Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he split that season between the Canes and the... I mean, and, it could have been Finland. No, it was between the Hurricanes and the Montreal Canadiens. He, he did make the trip down. I do remember that because I think that was... Or maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it wasn't Carbolet. Maybe it was another guy that was over in Finland. Maybe. Maybe. Well, if, if they're listening, feel free to correct me. Um, <laughs> and also call and be a guest on the show. Yeah, get that too. Yeah. Absolutely. Mike would love it. You want a cup with the Bruins. You got you caused me great pain, <laughs> <laughs> but me, but, but me great joy. Even though I'm the one that cried over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, there were a couple of guys, and it's not just uh, I, I called them chuds earlier, but it's a couple of guys who were. These are fellas that are interviewing the superstars after the game. These are fellas with credentials. These are fellas working with the hockey news. Uh, one of which who who really got uh, under his comment I didn't care for was the only one I replied to on Twitter. He was also the uh, the time is nigh guy. Remember he pissed off Eric Carlson early in the no. year. Oh, God. oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah! I remember that now. Yeah, he was yeah. he was one with one of the. Uh, I believe he framed it that like. At last, history can be a little kinder to Tim Thomas. And uh, and here's the thing. Um, Here's the thing is that 
you know, like you said, you like politics aside and stuff. But you can't you can't have this conversation with politics aside. You definitely because he made a team event, not about the team. But no, but that's the thing is you cannot have this conversation and say it's as cut and dry as team Tim Thomas made a team event, not about the team. What happened was that t- Tim Thomas, who is one of like few Americans on that Bruins roster, mm. um, when given the opportunity to go meet the president of his country, chose not to for his political beliefs and his personal reasons and um, made that choice himself. And that's fine. And I have no problem with him making that choice. And, but the problem is, is that now um, it's back and it's flipped and it's a goalie going kind of the other way politically. Mm. And because of, of the current climate and stuff, people are are reacting to that differently. And so you can't say politics aside with it just because, like, well, it's, it's not, it's not, it's reason, a political situation. The reason I said politics aside is because everyone jumped to say, well, you're on Team Holtby because he, he hates the president everyone hates. And you, you, Tim Thomas hated the president a lot of people didn't hate. Right. However, if you want to, so, and everyone just said, well, you're not making this about Tim Thomas. You're making it about the president Tim Thomas avoided or, yeah. or what have you. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying you can't you, take politics out of it. Even if it's you, such a huge part of the, it, well, the, it is, the conversation but even if you do at the end of the day oh my god i'm doing the don cherry you are oh oh, no. oh guys oh just 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 hold on a second guys oh, man. just hold on a second oh uh there oh, is a god. picture on our instagram right now as you're listening to this where i was doing them bad too yeah you were <laughs> into it and so when you see this picture now you know it got taken at this exact moment okay anyway okay as I was saying before I started doing the Don Cherry piano hands, that's never yeah. happened before. I'm sure it hasn't. <laughs> you just haven't noticed before. Even if, yeah, even you can, you can, the reason I'm dunking so hard on Tim Thomas and people who are saying history should be kinder to him, if you would omit the politics to it. So let's say uh, they're not visiting the presidents, they're visiting a Burger King and Burger King doesn't have a vegetarian option. So Tim Thomas flies off the fucking handle and he doesn't I don't go. Think, I don't think Tim Thomas Tim, would be upset about a vegetarian option. Well, vice versa. Hope he's after the vegetarian one. He's a Vancouver boy, isn't he? Uh, Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan. Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan. Okay, I was thinking granola hippies in Vancouver. Jesus, I am Don chariot it up here. This afternoon. <laughs> oh, man. Tim Thomas took what was supposed to be a team event which he knew he was going to have to go to the White House when they won that cup in the late June. He knew from that day yep. right up to the day the meeting was. He had plenty of time to say. He had plenty of time to think about it. Ideologically, he didn't want to go. Okay, it happens. I believe the term he used was sovereign citizen, which I did some reading up upon. In the same statement, he praised a bunch of oil companies. So And dude's from Flint, Michigan. Ooh, right? Like, let's... Lord... Anyhow, he took a team event, which is supposed to be the last ride of a cup winning team until they have the reunions and and what have you, Mm -hmm. celebratory nights, and he made it all about Tim Thomas. And to that, not only regardless of the political ideologies and the presidents and and, and anyone who wants to accuse me of saying, well, you're only doing this because you don't like Donald Trump. Well, one. You said his name. You said you weren't going to say his name and you said his name. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow. Bad man, you might have read about him. Um, well, no, I didn't like what Tim Thomas did mostly because Tim Thomas took a team event and made it all about him. And if you've been on any team, I don't care if it's a 
office team. I don't care if it's uh, I, I play on a dodgeball team. I don't care if it's the goddamn postal workers of the United States of America playing a softball jamboree. If you take any team event and make it all about you, and not only you, but your absence of that team event, I don't think history should be kind to you at all. I think you're a jackass. All right. All right. Uh, I I think that it's something that um, my thought on it is, is you know, I... I know of those two uh, presidents that are in question for this particular thing. There's one of those that I would very much like to spend some time with uh, and get a chance to talk to you and and stuff. And there's another one that I wouldn't necessarily want to do that with. Um, (laughs) And um, I, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like it's an argument that it's just, it's one of those things of, I think at the end of the day, it's impossible to have this conversation and say politics aside because your affiliation is 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 going to dictate which way you're going to lean Fair. somewhere. The, the reason and, and I, I tried is I just didn't want this to be a jamboree of people saying, well, you only support Hopi and dislike Thomas because of their political ideologies. I, one, the only thing I took from all of this is, for the love of God, can we stop this fucking tradition? Can we please? I just, yeah, that's, that's, tired, that's the thing. I'm is tired that... of, of, of U.S. presidents being confused as to who the fuck these people are. I remember the Detroit Red Wings were fucking, they they met Bush like yeah. half, what felt like half a dozen times. And like you said, when you, like, you I, 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 pointed out, I pointed out that in the, in the 2010-2011 Bruins, Tim Thomas was one of few um Americans. one one of few Americans on the actual team and I could I could go back and I could try to find and tell you which ones were and uh uh w- like which players were were what and and all that kind of stuff and I can I can certainly try to do that, that but I'm not I'm not actually going to That, that fucking um, Red Wings team in but, the early 2000s they were there so many times that they could have been on a first name fucking basis with half the and yeah. every time they showed up they'd be like Steve and that's the thing is like that at the end of the don't care and then there's the, like you know and then there's a whole bunch of other shit where you can talk about spend way too much money on on fast food and all kinds of shit like that with regards to this stuff but <laughs> i just think that yeah i think it's a, a tradition especially um i think it's something that when you're trying to claim that even though it's the National Hockey mm. League and it's the National Basketball Association, the National Football League, uh, even though they are, are that they're they're supposed to be kind of the world's best, they just so happen to play out of uh, mainly American markets, and it's just one and and the players are from all over the world, yeah. And so it's like, do you need to have this tradition continue, or is it something where you can just go, you know what? Let's not deal with the PR nightmare where no matter what. happens, Half of people are pissed off mm. about it. Let's just let's just cut it off and just say, you know what? We're just not gonna do I, it anymore. I think it's coming. I think it's coming because I, I I think the NBA is done with it. I think after the Steph Curry debacle nightmare, I think the NBA is probably done with it. Um, <laughs> but I, but is it is it that or is it you know like because because the problem is is that you say oh the NBA is done with it, but is it going to happen where in a you know, in a few years or a few election cycles or whatever, and the president changes and it's somebody that the players do want to spend time with. 
um, that they're going to bring it back and then it's just going to become this political thing. It's just like, let's just get the fuck rid of it and not have it be fodder. I really, really wish they would have killed it long ago because like I I, I mentioned, it was just painful to watch every year on SportsCenter. But I, I do think... One, it'll have to end in the other two sports leagues before the N- the NHL are not going to be the first one to. Uh, oh yeah, no. yeah, they are not going to be the first one to do that. I honestly am surprised they. Uh, I'm surprised that there are three players that withdrew from uh, from going on this trip. That seemed like a lot to me. Um, for the NHL, yeah, I, I guess I felt, I, and I got a funny feeling that like the league. Well, it's also it's also it's also that thing of it's. You know, for one, it's the Washington Capitals mm-hmm. that like they play in the same city yep. as the White House. Yeah, well, you know, the last they, guy, you know, the probably, last guy never went to a game. The last guy, he was invited several times. He was actually formerly with Ted yeah. Leonsis, invited him several times yeah. and he uh, just didn't bother to go. Don't yeah. know if the other guy, the new guy's guy, I'd highly doubt the new guy's gone. But yeah. uh, I do know that that was a that was a big thing. The, that Ted Leonsis team, they invited him. Uh, they've reached out to him a handful of times because yeah. he showed up to a couple of basketball games, and you know, uh, as you do. Well, the guy's a Blackhawks fan. Maybe he just wasn't around when they were in town. <laughs> That's the thing. Is, well, is I mean, they're quite busy as well. But, yeah, uh, busy do, with some stuff. And um, but I do. I just wanted to throw that out there that they do guys, play in the city of the White And House. here's the thing: is, is is I know we brought this up before, but the fact of the matter is, is if you're a politician, are you going to risk going to an NHL game if you can't guarantee that John Claude Van Damme is going to be there? <laughs> You've got to be careful. But no, also, but all that said, I love. Has our guy gone to the Habs? I'm wondering. What's if he's, that? Has our guy? Has he gone to the Habs? He's a big Habs guy. He's a big Habs fan. I yeah, I don't if know. He's gone. I, I mean, I. I is that scandal worthy? I guess I don't where they know. don't play in they don't play in Ottawa. He'd have to travel to it, or well, well, he traveled to Canada. <laughs> no, I mean, has he gone to a Habs game in the in the Bell Center? Oh, uh, he definitely has. Well, like as sitting prime minister. I don't know. I I, I imagine he has. Um, oh, I was gonna make a I was gonna make a politically charged joke there, but I'm not. <laughs> this whole thing has been okay. Well, imagine opera, imagine if he imagine if he turned up in the SNC in the SNC box. <laughs> fuck. Imagine that. Oh, oh that'd be going on. Somebody, like, somebody listening to this would be like, check the guest list at yeah, the SNC box. <laughs> it just happened, yeah. But no, uh, but even even with uh, with Obama, it was he did a speaking engagement at um, in Winnipeg like last month or something oh, yeah, he and he opened them. it up and he's like the first thing I would like to do uh, is thank you all for uh, Jonathan Pace it's funny he was and the, that was uh, my Obama impression his, by the way it was really good yeah. so good you didn't even notice I did it he, uh, he his first visit um, of, of a White House team was the Penguins and that's the first thing he brought up he's yeah. like I just wish that it was the and he said I think yeah. he might have said like during my presidency is going to be and the very next year is the Blackhawks yeah. it's like I just wish if there was one team I could have yeah. wished for yeah. but then he, he and then he, he had the Blackhawks like he, fucking four three, times. To three or four times but he did he did mention uh, like I think he threw some shade at Mary Lemieux for yeah. beating the Blackhawks yeah, and, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. so the guy was a hockey fan I guess yeah. that kind of helps he just didn't like the Capitals <laughs> but then but the other problem with the Capitals team is like that Ted Leone's he'd have to, well, look, well, have to be other, there with, he'd the, have to be there with Ted the other thing the other thing that's you know questionable is when you're talking about this team is that you have some several people who are arguable like you know based on what you're seeing are are opposed to the current president and then there's other guys on that team that you assume um are probably you know pretty big fans of him based on their you know yeah i don't know about that i i'm gonna say yeah that however i will say this i don't know if no, you've seen the- you don't think you don't you don't think ovechkin's getting a nice little hey be nice to trump thing 
I don't. I, I will say this. He's getting for, a phone call from Putin, being like, whatever, "Be nice to Trump." For what? <laughs> you know he is. For whatever reason, today is the one day where Alex Ovechkin showed up in the White House in what I can only describe as a a cosplay of Jaws from the <laughs> Bond movies. I'm t- I'm not kidding you. Look uh, it up. I gotta go find he, pictures I, of this. He, it was a. He's not dressed like Alexander Ovechkin. He is done up. As a co- like he all he's missing is the metal teeth. He looks like Richard Keel, who starred as Jaws and the Spy Who Loved Me in Moonraker. Uh, I could not stop laughing. I was like, why does he look like this? There's there's a it, image. It's just he looks normal. He's wearing a black suit and red tie. There's an image that looks better. There's a jersey in front of him and it's got the full team. There you go. Yep. Zoom in on that hair slicked back the suit is kind of riding I high know, i don't know if it's, it's very broad looking he looks like jaws to me okay anyway all nobody right. can see the picture i think i think at. you're i think you're stretching here but <laughs> all right um but anyway uh anyway let's let's move on from this because fuck's let's sake get off of this it was just yeah i get what you're saying i get that you know you have your uh you know your your thought on it is that um I'm going to tell you, this whole thing started because I just wanted to dunk on the time is nigh guy <laughs> again because I All did right. reply to the tweet and I was like, you know what? I got somewhere I could talk about this. All I'm right. not going to use his name. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got a, I got a platform yeah, now. I've got a platform I've got now. a soapbox I can I'd, pull uh, up and stand I'm on and also, shoot. Come see me at the Duke on Thursday. I'll probably go on to the same spiel if you miss the show tomorrow. <laughs> something's going to something's gonna happen between now and Thursday. You're going to be moved on to something else. Yeah, that's true. You know uh, me too well. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, let's move on from this entire and just get into our interview uh you know speaking of uh richard keel and, and as jaws let's go on to ogie oglethorpe uh and, the, See, and the, i had a reason the, for that yeah i no. had a reason for that stretch. Yeah, I, I was i was reaching that didn't work he doesn't look anything <laughs> like ogie it's just you know it's, it's he plays it, it, like ogie he he'll talk a little bit about uh his uh his <laughs> appearance with the san diego gulls and uh, how that all worked out for him. And you'll hear him talk about that. But James Melindy is our guest on the show today. Uh, James is uh, currently the captain of the Newfoundland Growlers, but he's also played for the Notre Dame Argos, Notre Dame Hounds, Canada Atlantic Under-17, the Moncton Wildcats, Portland Pirates, uh, Gwinnett Gladiators, Rapid City Rush, Wheeling Nailers, uh, Wichita Thunder, San Diego Gulls, Utah Grizzly, and of course, back here for the Newfoundland Growlers, where he's wearing the sea. On the puppy dog jersey, which is <laughs> exclusively puppy, how my fiance pu- refers to puppy dog. Yeah, jersey. it's the puppy dog jersey. Seen in the Paw Patrol ones. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did not have so these the E has a, a deal with Nickelodeon for yeah. these things. They did not have the jerseys out for five minutes before my buddy uh, Mike Moulton messages me and says, "I guarantee you, they're gonna have a Paw Patrol night." Yeah, they they're and like well, the Paw Patrol, Marvel, they the ECHL, I think, is contractually obligated to do two of those um, theme jersey nights a year. Wow, we didn't get a Marvel one. We did. Who was the Marvel one? They did uh, a game where they did uh, Captain America versus Iron Man. Like they did like a Civil War. <sighs> Game. I, I hope Captain America won. I don't do Iron Man. I don't remember. Sure. I don't know. I didn't make it to the game, but they did like a Sunday no. afternoon game where they wore like Marvel jerseys, and I think the other team wore the other jerseys. Wow. I think they did that. I don't. I I didn't make it, but either way, uh, we won't talk to James about it because we didn't, and we already spoke to him. Call but him back. <laughs> you're gonna hear. Uh, you're gonna hear him talk about a whole bunch of stuff to uh, with me and Charles, and we'll come back a little bit after, and we'll throw some hashtag hot takes at you. So uh, stay tuned, and here is uh, 
Here is James Melindy after a word from our sponsor, Head Check Health. Concussions are serious business. Concussions and post-concussion syndrome had a huge effect on my career. Whether you're a player, a concerned parent, a coach, a risk manager, or an executive, they're a major area of concern. HeadCheck Health has developed software and services that improve the way concussions are assessed, tracked, and managed at all levels of sport. Their goal is to create a safer environment of play by giving better tools to the individuals responsible for documenting and assessing concussions and providing better data to administrators to make real health and safety improvements. HeadCheck currently works works with organizations across the country like the Canadian Junior Hockey League, BC Hockey, Rugby Ontario, the Western Lacrosse Association, and more to advance their concussion management practices. If you're interested in learning more how HeadCheck can help your team or organization, please visit HeadCheckHealth.com or email info at HeadCheckHealth.com. That's HeadCheckHealth.com or info at HeadCheckHealth.com and tell them TR sent you. All right, folks, I'm going to do my best TR here uh, and queue up our next guest. Um, most often uh, doing this show, we've usually gone with uh, people who are not exactly removed from the game, but retired. Uh, this is, I believe, the first time we've gotten a guy in our hands and in, in, in our uh, earbuds that uh, is still playing. Not only is he still playing, he's the uh, current captain of the home team, the uh, St. John's Growlers. The Newfoundland Growlers. Newfoundland Growlers. Oh, jeez, I'm off to not, a hot like, start. Not only did you do this the most CR, you're like, I'm going to do my best CR, and then just went on a tangent. And I was like, wow, oh, I was yeah, really impressed. I was doing the, my best. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, started with the QMJHL Moncton Wildcats, great jerseys in that organization, drafted in the third round by the Phoenix Coyotes. From there, Portland a Gwinnett Gladiator, Rapid City, Wheeling, which the team is called the Nailers. They're Hilarious. not anymore. They're not? They're not anymore. Finally, the San Diego Gulls, Utah Grizzlies, and our own Newfoundland Growlers, a.k.a. St. John's Growlers. Welcome to the program, James Melindy. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. No, it is still the Wheeling Nailers. Never mind. I don't oh. know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's still the Nailers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I a, saw a Wheeling jersey the other day on Instagram, and I was like, "Oh shit!" They changed the name of the team, but it looked it looked really similar. But it was just like a different thing. But anyway, uh, thanks so much, uh, James, for being on the show. It's great to have you. Yeah, no, uh, definitely been picking up on it a bit lately. Uh, you know, seeing the the stuff on social media. So uh, when Tr reached out and said that he wanted to have me on, uh, it was kind of a no brainer. And uh, here we are, I guess. Jeez, and he, he couldn't even get here himself. Yeah. You'll have to give him the gears for that one. <laughs> yeah. We definitely will, so, so that's fine. So he did, uh, he, he did his, uh, his homework on you, and he sent me a quick message for that. Before all of the, uh, you know, the AHL, NHL draft choice and all that stuff, uh, he told me you had gone the route of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, so he calls that the Teddy Purcell route. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess uh, it all kind of started when I um, I was 14 and um, decided, you know, the the level of competition here in New Flam wasn't exactly where uh, I wanted it to be to 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 see myself develop, and um, I ended up going on a visit to to Notre Dame um, prior to to actually going and. I uh, got a tour around campus and, and did a little spring hockey tournament up there. And then, uh, yeah, when I was 14, I packed up my life and, uh, and moved off to Saskatchewan to, to try to better myself. And, uh, yeah, spent two years at Notre Dame, made a, a ton of friends and uh, had some really, you know, good hockey experiences out west. And um, definitely glad that I, that I made that jump uh, at that young age. 
I mean, cutting, obviously you've, you've, uh, you've made your way not only uh, up the ranks in the game, but back to Newfoundland. But that's just kind of a relatable story, I think, from almost a lot of people in our generation of Newfoundlanders. It's kind of like uh, you get to an age where it's like, well, if I, if I want to excel in this super elite field, sooner or later I'm going to have to leave home. And I, it, usually the sooner you do leave home, the the better chances you have of, of reaching that that level that you're after yeah i mean um i know back when i when i moved it was uh a little bit of a, a different um time in, in which you know uh newfoundland hockey was still very good but um you know the the midget league was just you know the st john's team just pretty much taken over and and uh dominating teams and i knew um if i wanted to get better i I needed a little bit more competition and um with that i i decided to go out to to notre dame and saskatchewan and move you know it's it's tough at 14 years old to to just pack up move away from your friends and family and um make your way to a place that's kind of unknown where you don't know anybody and uh no it was definitely a transition and uh a different style than than what was uh, I was used to back here. It was a lot more rough and tumble. I, I think, like on average, we would get you know at least to fight a game in, in midget, and that was kind of unheard of back in uh, back home. So uh, it was a lot more rough and tumble. You played against guys that were older, uh, and uh, no, it was just a different style. A lot of a lot of firm boys uh, west and uh, certainly <laughs> well, tough, fellas, tough, fellas tough throwing sod around. But that works out for a fellow from the Goulds, though. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. You, you went halfway across Canada didn't even get rid of the smell. I mean, <laughs> didn't even get rid of the smell of cow shit. <laughs> but so what was it like the, the one thing that you you did a little bit different than what you normally see is a lot of the time when a guy will make that move and head out to uh, – to Saskatchewan or, or, or wherever it may be out west, the way you know TR played for Quinnell and then obviously wound up in the WHL with Tri City and um, and Teddy played for Nord- the Notre Dame Hounds, the same team you played for, and then went went on to Cedar Rapids and the University of Maine and stuff. Um, <clears throat> it's not as common for someone to come back then because you went, you did your your couple years, um, you did your time uh, with Notre Dame and then came back to Moncton. So like it's that is a little bit of a shift. So were you kind of like, were you was getting back east something you were excited to do something you were trying to do or was it just the way uh, the cards fell? Um, well, it, it, um, obviously you know going out west and, and my first year my my parents actually moved to Regina, which was thirty minutes from Wilcox for the campus and and everything was located. Um, so they, they moved, uh, packed up everything. I'm an only child, so it made it an easy transition for them to just kind of uh, move for a year and, and make that uh, that jump to, to being away from home a little bit easier for me. And um, with that, I had two addresses. So I kind of was in a unique situation where I could choose if I wanted to go to the WHL or choose if I wanted to go into the Q draft. Um so I, I had talked to you know some um, some WHL teams and obviously the Q teams were calling and stuff like that and they, they would send scouts up because we did have I think it was probably four five um, guys that were 
in my draft class that were out playing at Notre Dame. So all their scouts kind of came out to have a look at, at us. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the choice for me was just, you know, um, I ended up getting drafted to Moncton, which I was super happy about because I heard so much about the organization and, and how they treat the players and from the ownership and, and all that. And plus being back close to the home, it was easier for my family to come visit me and, and uh, that's kind of what appealed to me the most. And, you know, the WHL, you know, I, I had a choice if I wanted to go play for the Edmonton Wild Kings. And it was just kind of one of those things where they were going to take me along a little bit slower, put me in junior A, and then have me jump to, to major junior. And then uh, Moncton was kind of a, a faster route to get playing. So that's kind of where my decision went. And um, Notre Dame, obviously, too, where it's it's – an academic school as well. They kind of push for NCAA uh, scholarships and stuff like that. But um, being from home and and kind of major junior is the only thing you know. It's it was one of those things when I was a kid. I I, I wanted to play major junior hockey. It was never a choice of well, I'm going to go play NCAA. So um, like I said, when I when I got drafted to Moncton and uh had known so much about the organization beforehand and and all the history that, that comes with uh that organization it was uh very very appealing for me they weren't too far removed uh that the moncton crew wasn't too far removed from a major championship themselves uh and a brief dynasty there in the queue i'd say about eight nine years before you showed up there so i mean it, it is uh one of the creme de la creme of the queue Going back, you you mentioned that you had uh, two addresses. Did anyone give you a tip on that? Is that something you just kind of happened luckily into, or was that something that a couple of players older than you might have been like, "Hey, you know, heads up, it's gets a little kooky on where your draft rights end up when you're a kid. If you really flex on the two address thing, you've got an extra ace up your sleeve type thing." Yeah, um, there there wasn't. Any help? It, it just kind of worked out because when we ended up moving out west, uh, my parents ended up renting my house for a year, and um, that address was kind of still stuck to us. And then we had one in Regina as well, and it was just kind of a, a lucky situation when the the draft came out, and I ended up getting an agent and, and kind of figuring out a little bit more about the game and how everything was kind of working. Because beforehand, you know, you're you're a kid from Newfoundland, you don't really know too much about yeah, what's, that's, that's, what's happening, you know, you, you don't get that exposure of, say, like these kids in Ontario that from, you know, a young, young age, they know everything that's going to happen. They got their route planned out. They got everything that they they see and, and, and that they want. And for me, it was kind of like that unknown. I didn't really know. And then uh, when the draft was approaching, my agent had told me, hey, listen, you're living in Regina. Your parents are living there. And you have a house back in Newfoundland, so you have two addresses. You can pretty much pick and choose if you want to go whichever route you want. And um, I think it was I, I think it was there there was a deadline on which I had to make a decision and figure out which draft I was going to enter. And just the feedback from the teams that I was. Uh, being talked to in the queue, it, it just seemed like a, a better fit to me. Okay, yeah, that's if anybody's listening, uh, that's you know in that age group that are eyeing 
that route that's a little ace in the hole if you can somehow work two addresses uh it's not the first time i've heard that uh get brought up where your rights are kind of pigeonholed uh so from there you ended up getting drafted in the third round i've got a, a question so most people i would hope you do have yeah, several I like, I know. <laughs> Fuck most, sakes, well, man. Come a, on. A, a different question about the draft most people have recognized the hockey draft uh especially the nhl draft is this big glitzy glamoury uh they bring you up they put a jersey on they put a hat on you but that's only the first round were you in attendance when you got drafted or was it one of those uh situations where you get a phone call and it was like hey uh your per- your property the phoenix coyotes now yeah uh no i i ended up uh going to the draft uh my year was 2012 and uh the draft was held in pittsburgh and i i'd spoken with my agent from the the meetings that i had at the the combine and and throughout the season you know i had a pretty good indication that i was going to be selected and i know uh my agent kind of you know uh told me beforehand like if if he didn't think that i was going to be picked he wouldn't have told me to to go if there was a chance that you know you you could be let down um so i was i was getting pretty good feedback from teams that I would probably be selected. Um, so we, we ended up going down uh, to Pittsburgh. I think there was 25 of us that, that went down um, wow. for the week and uh, sat through the first round. And it was long. It's, it's a super long <laughs> process. And stuff. But it was pretty cool because uh, when I went to Notre Dame, there was guys on my team that were going through the drafts with me and, the majority of them were all high first round picks. Like uh, Morgan Riley went fifth overall to Toronto. He was my D partner in Notre Dame. Pretty um, good player. Yeah, pretty decent player. <laughs> um, Slater Cuckoo went tenth um, to Tampa Bay, and he's now playing. I think he just got traded this year to Chicago. And then we had another kid, uh, Stefan Natal, that was drafted to New Jersey. I think it was 20, yes, yeah. 28th. So we had, you know, three guys from our team be, be drafted in the first round. That was kind of a, a cool experience to see, you know, your your close friends that you, you battled with for, you know, a couple of years. And you see them, uh, you know, their dreams kind of come true. It was a pretty unique experience. And then uh, I obviously knew that, you know, day one, first round probably wasn't going to be where I was going to go. Um, but, you, you know, you still don't know what can happen. And you still get those nervous chills and, and hearing, you know, names being called. And you're kind of, you know, comparing yourself to different players. And when they start to go, it's, uh, you know, you're thinking, well, what teams am I going to fit into? And and uh, kind of trying to see where you're going to set up. But, um for me, it was own this team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For me, the, the second day felt like uh, like an eternity. It was. Uh, I think I was ranked at the time to go seventy sixth. So I had I had some pretty good meetings uh, at the combine and um, and at the draft in Pittsburgh a couple of days before the actual draft happened. So. I had some teams that I, I figured uh, I was going to probably go to. And, you know, uh, Philadelphia was one. Uh, Chicago was another. 
And then I think the other one, yeah, the other one was Toronto, actually. Um, they had met with Morgan and his family and kind of, you know, mentioned that they, they had some interest in me and and obviously coming to watch him play, they, they've seen a lot of me play too. So, um, you know, you, you get to pick number 76 for your rank and you don't go and you're like, oh, shit, okay. And every then number I, after that must have felt like every uh, every number yeah. felt pretty slow. So it was like Philadelphia picked. I don't know the exact number, but I was like, okay, I'm looking at my parents. I'm like, this could be this could be the pick. So then they don't pick me, and then I think Chicago picked. It was a pick after or two picks after. So I'm like, oh well, I'm going to Chicago, and then they didn't pass. So then it was like panic it's like oh well, am i gonna go am i gonna go and then it ended up being uh yeah phoenix it, it, you know you you hear your first name and then everything else kind of goes blank and people are up they're crying they're hugging you and your everything else is kind of just a blur from there on out and it was it was kind of a, a a cool thing that uh phoenix was actually the first team that i i had met with is in regards to nhl organizations and um, I think I got I got pretty lucky as well because we had a, a defenseman Brandon Gormley that played in Moncton with me, so their scouts spent a, a lot of time coming in and checking in on him. And when when they would come, I guess I I ended up uh, turning some eyes and, and they liked what they seen and um, they took a chance on me. So I was uh, you know very very fortunate to have a bunch of family members in attendance and, and friends and. Um, you know, it's as a kid, you kind of dream of the NHL, and then when it becomes a little bit of a reality, it's uh, it was a pretty cool experience. It's like it's uh, it, it's funny you mentioned the draft. It felt like forever. I'm a big big draft nerd. It's like one of my favorite weekends. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you might not have might not have been able to tell, but I can remember <coughs> one of the things that happens on like the Newfoundland uh, media stuff, and, and especially Twitter when a when a Newfoundlander gets drafted, it uh, it kind of blows up obviously very quickly. And uh, I can remember where I was your draft year, reading the uh, tweet that you got drafted. I was swimming. <laughs> I was swimming up off of the East Coast Trail at Soldier pond and uh the draft was in pittsburgh and i kept kind of refreshing my feed and sure enough i'd say midway through the afternoon it's like oh yeah newfoundlander went so it's uh there's your little connection a little there connection you there you guys there you had go. that it was nice it was a nice yeah, little thing that's, yeah. yeah i mean and, uh, and newfoundland's such a small place for you know there's a pride factor and everybody wants to see their own succeed so uh i got a lot of amazing feedback from you know people that I played with, parents of players that I played with, just people that I had never known sending me messages and congratulating me. So it's uh, it's cool, obviously, to, to come from a place where um, we don't have the population that, you know, other provinces do or states. And, um, you know, everybody says, you know, Newfoundland, you know, the exposure isn't here and we don't have the, the high caliber players. But, in fact, we, we, we do. It's just the population. We just, it's, it's not on scale with some of these bigger provinces like, you know, British Columbia and Alberta and, and Ontario. So, um, it, it was pretty cool to, to obviously be drafted and have my family around and then get some, uh, you know, cool messages and feedback from, from people back home that are, uh, support me and, and we're proud. So one thing Newfoundlanders do take note. Uh, did did Rick Mercer send you a fruit basket? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it works. I think like the most famous Newfoundlander congratulates you. They yeah, say, yeah, and then that's it. You're <laughs> set then. Yeah, that's I, it. You're I, in. I think the biggest one for me might have been Alan Hocko just put in Ghoul's Rules, Phoenix Coyotes, or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's very on brand. That's, yeah, yeah, it's completely on brand that for Hocko. Uh, <laughs> but th- that's great. I mean, it's such a cool thing though when when it does happen. It's just it, again going back to uh, talking about that where, where like you know you felt uh, coming up through because of the population because of all those different things that like you know you move on to somewhere like Notre Dame then you know find yourself back on the east coast again going out uh, out of Moncton and, and still get picked uh up in the third round and uh you get to be part of the Phoenix uh Coyotes organization for a bit um and so was that the point cuz Charles is also kind of he's he's a nerd about many things and one of <laughs> not not one of which was the uh the whole era of the Phoenix Coyotes being owned by the league and just that whole thing. Was that the time that you were there? Was it? Yeah. You know, so I, I was right in the middle of that whole situation, I guess. And it, it wasn't <laughs> easy because nobody really knew what the future of the franchise was going to be because obviously the league was in ownership of it. And, um, you know, everybody's kind of nervous. Like, is the team going to relocate? Are they going to, you know, are they just going to fold the team? Like, how, how is it going to work? And um, for me, obviously, it wasn't on a, a as high of a scale as a player that was playing there. But at the same time, you're still, it still crosses the back of your mind a little bit. And um, I think it would have been my last year or second. No, it would have been my, my second year of my entry level um was when the team was was bought from uh, or bought by two uh two gentlemen from I, th- I think it was calgary so they came down and invested into the team and and kind of got it back up and running and um obviously you know you think of hockey in the desert and you're like well you know you don't really know what to expect but what an awesome place to play like you're you're in beautiful weather all the time um you know you're you're not a. You can go out in public and you're not recognized completely, so you can still live somewhat of a normal lifestyle. And uh, no, I I enjoyed my time when I was in Phoenix, and um, I thought it was a awesome place to to potentially play. It's nice that you brought up there's two fellas from Calgary because I remember when they bought that team and one of the first things they unveiled, uh, I guess to boost attendance or whatever, was dollar beer night at the rink. <laughs> and no NHL rink has ever had dollar beer night. <laughs> and I actually didn't know that uh, a couple of Canadian fellas bought it until just then. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It does kind of track, right? <laughs> you know. How are we going to get people to the rink? Dollar beer night. Um, and, and but then of course you went uh, you you spent a lot of the time with that organization um w- like in Portland and so that yep. was uh and so Portland uh where the Pirates who uh and it was kind of just basically during that era too like they were only the Coyotes affiliates not you know not much around other than the time that you were there so what was your what was it like playing in Portland and being part of the uh, the franchise there um it was obviously um you know your first taste of pro. Um, you you don't really know what to expect because it's everything is new and um and it's just you know you're you go from being a kid and um you know being taken care of to to moving out and and living on your own and you know trying to figure things out yourself and it's it's it was tough at points but um the thing about Portland it, it was 
kind of an easy transition because it was kind of similar to, to here at home. Like you're right on the water, the weather and the climate's kind of the same. The people are super friendly. And, uh, you know, again, it was, it was a place that it was, it was close to me that my parents could come down and watch me play. And, um, it wasn't too far where my billets in Moncton actually came down for a couple of weekends at a time. They'd do some shopping and, and, and watch some games too. So I, uh, I really, really enjoyed it in, in Portland. And then, uh, you know, when I seen that the team had left and, and they folded and I think Florida would have been their last affiliate in Portland and, and that all kind of went away and, yeah, the Springfield now, right? Uh, yeah, they, I think they. Yeah, they would have moved to Springfield, but um, so it was. It was tough to see, like as, as a special place to me, uh, the hockey get taken away, and luckily enough, they got a ECHL franchise, and um, it, it was obviously cool for me too because now we get to go back and play, and I get to go, <clears throat> go to all my uh, favorite restaurants and <laughs> and and eat and stuff like that. So it's. Uh, sorry uh it's pretty cool yeah for sure right back in there uh newfoundland connection on that team john slaney was your coach for a year i believe yeah he was uh he was actually my assistant coach slaney he uh he made the transition a hell of a lot easier for me just getting me a lot of pointers and 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 helping me along the way you know maybe giving me a little bit of information that uh you know some other players might not have been getting but um he was such a good player when he played and his understanding for the game is so high that um, anything you can learn from somebody like that is, is huge. And then add a bonus, he's a new fee. So he's trying to, <laughs> to take, take care of his own too. You know what I mean? Like he wants to see Newfoundlanders succeed as well. So um, you up with one of those, one of those cards that is like has the insane Newfoundland markup on it. You're talking <laughs> yeah. to Ken Reed about that, about how the, in oh, John yeah, Slaney Alex, cards, Alex rookie card. No, oh, the John Slaney ones like it too, where there's like this insane market for John Slaney cards, but only in Newfoundland. Right. It's, uh, but if he hooked you up with one of those, you might be able to get, you know, like, you know, 25 bucks, I think it was for it, where it's like 250 everywhere else. For whatever reason, a stick that he store, scored an NHLer uh, ended up in the rink where I'm from, Lab City, Newfoundland. Really? And uh, for the longest time, my brother had this weird, elaborate plot when he was in high school to steal it, okay. which was like the most hoser Canadian version <laughs> of Ocean's Eleven ever. It was like, we're going to steal a stick that an NHL goal was scored on. <laughs> yeah. and I, in small town Labrador. In small like, town Labrador. It was like in the back of the trophy case. I don't know how it ended up there, but anytime I think of John Slaney, that's the that's the like my brother's like Home Alone esque blueprints on how to get into this trophy case. All right, so um, from from Portland, obviously the E and home to Newfoundland to play. Now I I got to ask you, James. Now there's some stops in between there, and one of which is with the Wichita Thunder, where you put up an impressive number of penalty minutes. Uh, and, and I'm going to use that as a segue. Okay, we're going to because because here's the everyone thing. Everyone knows where we're going. We're, we're going to cycle back and talk about what it was like getting the call to come yeah. back and play for the Growlers, and then what it was like to get the nod uh, in in the middle of the season to be the first captain of the team. And we're going to talk about all those things. But while a couple weeks ago we were talking about uh, this insane tilt that you had uh, in, in Brampton, just outside the, the the locker room, it was a whole thing. But we noticed what's my favorite stat by anybody ever is that we noticed that in the top five, like, and, and this is my favorite part now, is that in the top five guys on the Newfoundland Growlers for penalty minutes right now, your number one 
and you have more penalty minutes than <laughs> two through five. Like, <laughs> add it up. Right now, you're sitting at 171. Uh, and then Bradley, Party, Kessner, and Ferguson combined for, I got I to gotta add it up, but it's not 171. It's just an insane number of minutes that you just don't see anymore. And it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about, um, you know, what what keeps you playing that game that style of hockey now? Um, well, I think it it all kind of started. I mean, when I was in junior, I I never really thought a, a big amount, but I would always if if somebody got hit dirty or um like I, I was always in there to to stick up for teammates. So I think the mo- the most I had when you was five. Which wasn't a, a whole lot, but it was if somebody got buried from behind, I was the first person in there to drop my gloves and, and stick up for him. And then, uh, you know, getting into pro and, you know, you're instead of playing against boys, you're playing against men that are, you know, it's their livelihood is on the line and guys are all a lot tougher. <laughs> and I found that out <laughs> the, the hard way. And, um, no, so it, it ended up being like, you know, first when I, broken the pro i was you know like this puck moving defenseman that you know obviously played with a little bit of an edge but i, I never really racked up a, a little bit a, a ton of a ton of penalty minutes and then um you know i got sent to the coast and um you know was trying to fight my way back up and, and find a way to to make myself valuable for a team and um i knew you know i was looking at the teams that i was you know, affiliated with, and I'm like, well, we don't have anybody that plays a hard solid game back on defense, and um, that's kind of where you know a little bit of the nastiness came from. And, um, I've always played on teams, and I don't know why it's always worked out like this, but I've always been like one of the biggest guys on the teams, but we've never really had a solidified tough guy. So anytime anything would happen everybody kind of looked at me like, Hey, you're the biggest guy. Like maybe you should do something about it. So I ended up, kind of which like, is just fantastic. Just, yeah, just that. Just like, I, I had that happen one time. I was talking to him. He's the I was, big guy. I was working on a music video shoot one time and the guy that was supposed to play the bouncer didn't show up and everyone's like, Oh man, what are we going to do? Who are we going to get to play the bouncer in this thing? And I'm just standing there with everyone like, yeah, what are we going to do? Who are we going to get? And I looked up and realized everybody had just turned to look at the big bald dude with the beard. And I'm like, say, Oh me. Okay. Yeah. I get, I'll go stand by the door. Mark, fine. You are the base model of <laughs> yeah. bouncer. That's, that's exactly what it's like. It's just that, well, somebody's got to do it. And then you just notice everybody in the room is looking at you and you're just like, fuck. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of was the same thing for me. It was like guys would get hit or something would happen. And it's like, oh, fuck, I guess it's me. That's going to do something. <laughs> and, um, you know, I won some fights. I've lost a lot too. And you know, that comes with it. And it, the biggest thing for me was I never really, and I, I still don't, I, I don't fight for no reason just to, to fight because you're tough and, oh, we're going to go at it just because. Uh, I was never that guy. It's always, you know, something happened or maybe I hit somebody hard on their team and somebody came at me and I answered the ball. And, um, I think the first year that it, it kind of started was, you know, I, I played in Rapid City and um, ended up, I think it was, 10 fights that year but it was all these tough guys that were 
in the old CHL that when the ECHL and the CHL combined, it was like these all these lunatics come up, <laughs> and every team has four tough guys, and here we are. And movie goon. <laughs> I'm, I'm 22 years old, and I'm like, oh, shit, they're coming at me because I'm the biggest. So <laughs> I just I learned that. I was like, I'm not going to back down, and I, I'm going to stick up for myself and, and stick up for my teammates. And then, you know, it, it kind of just – speedball from there the next year i went to wichita and that, i think that was the year i had 200 229 yeah 229 i think i had 16 fights we were the worst team in the league we couldn't win a game so anytime and and 10 minute misconducts counted so it was like well if i'm gonna get noticed i'm gonna fight for one and anytime we were losing i'd take a 10 minutes as, uh misconduct and Add it to my pins list, so it. It was like two hundred and yeah, like you said, two twenty nine, and then at the end of the year, uh, we weren't making playoffs, obviously, and uh, I got a look with San Diego. They needed uh, some defensemen that. Um, and this is also super impressive because yeah. it, it, it says, I, and tell me if this is right or not, but it says that with San Diego that year, you played three games for them, uh, you had an assist, and you also had 27 <laughs> penalty minutes in three games. Yeah, so it was, uh, I knew nine, obviously, nine a game. you know, you, you get called up, you have 200 and something penalty minutes, they're not calling you up to score goals. Right. That was yeah. obvious. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to fight. I don't care who I got to fight. I just need to make a name so that I can stick around. And um, my first game, I actually played. Um, yeah, it was uh, I played the same team three times. So it was. <laughs> so they knew you at the end of it. Yeah, and, and it was funny. Right before I got called up, actually, we got a, a line brawl against Kansas City when I was in Wichita. And I got suckered with a with a glove on, so I had this massive beard at the time. I was a girl for like four or five months, and then I got suckered, so I had this massive black eye. So when I showed up to San Diego, everybody was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> and then they're they're looking at my penalty minutes. They're like two twenty nine. This guy is the Red Viking, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, sit out, watch the first game that I get called up for, and there was kind of like a a bit of a greasy hit on one of the guys and we're going to Ontario the next day and they're like, Hey, you're in the lineup. And and at that time, San Diego had always had like super, super tough teams. Like we had, uh, Stu Bickle who played in the NHL for a number of years. That was a solidified heavyweight. Uh, Nick Tarnaski was there. Uh, Corey Trapp, who, who was a skilled guy, but was tough as nails. Uh, Scott Sabrin. So there was like a, a huge number of guys that were willing to drop the gloves. And, you know, they're before the game going, oh, like, who's going to get them? And the boys are going, oh, we're going to let the Red Viking get them. Like, this guy's going <laughs> to murder them. So immediately I'm like, okay, well, here we go. I'm going to fight this guy, whatever. So I go and challenge him, nothing. And their bench is just like chirping me. And I'm like, well, I'll. What am I going to do? So I just stand in front of their bench and I, I challenge it. I'm like, whoever wants to hop over, be my guest. So at this time, everybody on our team is going, who the fuck is this guy? He is a madman. Like, he's just coming challenging benches right away. Like, what's going on? And I, could, I couldn't find a fight. So I'm like, holy shit, like, what's, what's going to happen now? And 
Anyway, the next so game. So you went looking by the Zamboni door. Yeah, so <laughs> that game passed. And I, I couldn't find a fight. I played like a regular shift and, stuff and played pretty well. That They put me back in the lineup the next uh, next game. And there was a guy that was just kind of running around. And I was asking him to go, and he, he kind of wanted no part of it. And then we were uh, off a face-off. It was a new rule in the American Hockey League that if you fought off a face-off, you were immediately kicked out so it was like first period of the game it might have been like 10 minutes in this guy runs at me i ask him to fight he says no i start skating away he drops his gloves and kind of tries to jump me so we fight it's a, a pretty decent scrap and then they they kick me out they go well you fought off the face off you can't play anymore and i'm going oh well shit all right i'm like this is the last game i'll play in the american hockey league like this is it for me. Like, I get kicked out 10 minutes into the game. Whatever. And, uh, anyway, I ended up busting the guy open a bit. And, uh, the boys were going crazy. They all thought I was nuts. And, uh, coach came in, loved it. Put me back in the, the lineup the next night. And same thing, like, trying to find another fight. Me and the Bickle were D partners. We were almost jumped in Ontario's bench the one time. It was... <laughs> It was insane, but I, I had to make a name for myself, and uh, luckily enough, they like kept me around for playoffs, and, and, and I just kind of stuck around, stuck around, skated and played, and ended up signing a contract there the following year, and um, that's kind of how I got my, my start in San Diego, so really, it was the 27 penalty minutes or whatever it was, was in pretty much two games, instead <laughs> of, uh, instead of it's, it shows three, but I really played two and a like half a period <laughs> two, two, two and a third yeah <laughs> all right so now I've, we've got to get here um I, i've got to ask fighting in the corridor of it was the brampton rink was it not the brampton beast yeah brampton okay so there's a lot of theories going around especially in the comment section on the tsn instagram page <laughs> did the guy you were fighting say something about the goulds first off i want to set the record straight on that a lot of theories going around that he badmouthed the nope, goulds and that's nobody talks shit about the ghouls and gets away that's, with it. that's exactly that's exactly where everything went <laughs> that's what we're all thinking that's what i was thinking uh, so I'm giving you an opportunity. Did he did he shit talk the ghouls? No, he didn't shit talk the ghouls. But it, it, there we go. I he mean, wait until he got to the Zamboni door. Well, if, was, if he true. shit talked the ghouls, well, he would have just jumped him wherever. Just I'm just making sure the guy's cleared to come back into the province. There's yeah. not going to be a lot of angry people waiting for him at the gate at the airport. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a unique situation to say the least. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. It's kind of weird because. They should never have it set up anyway, the way that they did, that you have to pass through somebody's zone to get off the ice. Like, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster to start with, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. especially, and there was no, there was nothing that was premeditated from before or anything, you know? It just, it was one of those things that it happened, it happened quick, and, you know, looking back, was it stupid? Yeah, probably, but... At the same time, I'm going to sit there and I'm not going to let somebody wail away at me, especially <laughs> who I am. And um, so how it all kind of unfolded was like, I was skating down through the ice and like I said, that you're, you're skating down through their zone and um, 
one of their guys was skating up the wall, so I moved to the middle of the ice so that there would be no confrontation or anything because I knew, like, every team that we play tries to get under my skins so that I'll take penalties. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that'll chirp and stuff like that. So this guy came up, and he, as soon as he got, like, two feet in front of me, cut, cut in front of me and cut me off and kind of bumped me. <laughs> and I guess from their point of view they thought i hit him from my point of view he caught in front of me and bumped me so one of their players shot a puck at me so immediately i'm like okay well there's a puck standing in front of me i'm gonna let one drift too and i i kept it down i just shot at the guy's feet and next thing i know there's like two pucks come whistling by me i'm standing up in the gate their whole team is charging towards me and i'm like oh here we go and then, uh, you know, there's some chirping happening, and I asked one guy what he was going to do, and he uh, he made a push at me, and I had a swing back. The next thing I know, all his gloves are uh, not on the ice, they're on the hallway, but uh, <laughs> we're going at it, and it's uh, all I can remember is just like, <clears throat> hearing the skates just hit the concrete and just thinking like there must be sparks flying everywhere <laughs> so we're going at it there's nobody even remotely close to there to break Separate. it up there's there's a couple guys that were um, that weren't playing that were injured on our team that were sitting out and they were watching warm-ups so they were there so I think I wasn't in the wrong because I was off the ice in my tunnel and they came off the start of altercation. Now what Brampton players and their media and whatever are going to say, it's going to be opposite and scared and, and they can think what they want. But I, I know for a fact, um, how it unfolded. So well, we ended up had a team charging at you too. Yeah. I had a team yeah. charging at me and I'm like, well, what did they expect was going to happen? Like if they, maybe if they punched the skill guy in the head and, it might have blown over, but like if you're gonna punch me in the head, you got to do a little bit of research first. You know what I mean? Like, you got to know there's gonna yeah. be a response coming. Yeah, log on to Hockey DB and check the pims. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to know. You got to know that you're you're coming at the guy who, and I just added it up, has 23 percent of the team's penalty minutes this season. <laughs> yeah, like, you got to know not to fuck with that guy and the guy who looks like a big red Viking. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I guess fighting from the ice and then. Um, down to the Zamboni doors and then halfway down the hall between the two dressing rooms. We actually almost, well, we pretty much did. We ended up in the referee's room and they like kind of came out like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> so I walk in the dressing room, I got my helmet's gone, my gloves are gone, I'm bleeding from my hands and all the boys are like, what happened? Half the boys, meanwhile, are still on the ice, like warming up, like, so nobody oh, knows what's going on. This. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I just got in a fight. And I remember <laughs> the guys looking at me going, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, I just got in a fight in the hallway. Like, they're like, no, nobody could believe it. And then they came and told us that we, we couldn't play. We were kicked out for that game. And I, I obviously didn't know what kind of – I knew there was going to be suspension come from it, but I didn't know how much it would be. And yeah. then obviously with it – Blowing up viral on every sports social media platform. <laughs> oh yeah, it uh, it 
it traveled quickly. Never have I gotten so many messages from friends up along or like, do you go to these <laughs> games? Or like, is it always like this in St. John's? And I'm like, but it's closer to you to me. Like, yeah, they're having a Brampton, like, yeah, this, this yeah. one's on you, pal. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was unfortunate that it did blow up on social media because I don't think the the penalization for it would have been as harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand yeah, where the league was coming from because they don't want to make it look like a complete debacle either that, you know, they need to enforce enforce it that, you know, they're not making the league look like a shit show. And I, I agree with that, but hmm. to, I wanted to try to appeal it, but in the league you can't appeal suspensions unless it's 20 games. So it, oh, uh, I didn't know that. So uh, it was, what was the... The final suspension was seven games, which was tough, but, um, yeah, it, it, the worst part about it, I guess, was they were all home games. So I served the one game in Brampton, then we came back home for seven games, and I was suspended for six of them. So <clears throat> that part sucked big time, because obviously you want to be at home and playing in front of friends and family, and obviously playing in front yeah. of the home crowd, but, um... The only, I guess, bright spot of it was um, those six games that we had at home were, I think our schedule was like seven games in ten nights, so the games flew by quick. It wasn't like I was out of the lineup for an extended period of time in regards to days. It was, I was yeah, back. I think it was like, wasn't it like a stand where you guys did like a weekend, a string a weekday, and then the next weekend? Like, Yeah. So you knocked it all out in mm. like in, in what... Because I mean, right now you're looking at I'm I mean with the schedule you guys have left here, you've got what six games between or five games five between games now and April seventh. Yeah, you know. So if if you if the suspension was was kind of drawn out a little bit more, it might have, it, you know, it, it might have been. It would have been tougher because I mean, well, the toughest part of it is just having the watch and not being able to, you know battle with your team and, and, and help out in any way you can. And, um, you know, the mental aspect of it too is like, you know, you're, you're bag skating after practices, you know, you're in the gym or you're, you're just grinding because you're not playing any games and, uh, you're just trying to do whatever you can to keep in game shape. And, um, like I said, it was just lucky enough that it, uh, ended up being on a, sh- a short span of time that the games were played. Was there a point during that though? Uh, you talk about like how you you thought that the how it went viral had an effect on the on the penalty that came out of it out of the seven games and stuff. Is there a point though where you're like in the middle of a tilt and you're you're, you're aware that like your skates are are clinging off the concrete because you're in the tunnel on the way? Is there a point where you're just like somebody's gonna get a fucking video of this and it's gonna go <laughs> like? Was there ever a point where you were like? In, in the moment of all of it where you understood just ha- what a fucking gong show that whole thing was and that it was likely going to go viral? Mm, no, I think the main thing that was crossing in my mind was don't get punched in the head and yeah, probably try to punch him in the head. I was that's just thinking about, too, you know, yeah, yeah. oh, is there going to be somebody with a camera? I wish in hindsight I, I maybe would have thought of that. I don't know. But at the same time, it's it, no matter if it was two punches... Or a full-on Donnie Brook, like it was. There was still going to be a heavy suspension with it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the the best part was just kind of, you know, my buddies all got a hold of it, and and the guy that 
got the video, his commentary was a little something else and the boys on the team. So we we were sitting in the stands and it was on Twitter, like, this guy called me a piece of shit and stuff. And the boys are going, you should go find him in the stands and just ask him if he thinks you're a piece of shit. And I'm like, I'm already in enough shit as it is. Like, I'm not going to dig myself any deeper of a hole, but... Um, Still, you yeah, the, scared the shit out of that guy. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that the, would have been... Yeah. The video anyway. commentary was... was pretty funny uh, uh, I take it that uh, he's not much of a James Mulindy fan and, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever I don't think I actually have watched that video with the sound on the, uh, now the that t- I think about it I don't the know TSN that I have. one that I had seen had had muted the sound so I didn't hear the, uh, yeah. the Twitter on, on edited version I've seen it from a couple different sources but like I never have the sound on on my phone so I just never you know I've never heard it with sound I'm just so used to watching like I, was viral stuff that I was wondering if someone would would overdub it like with that with Aussie just... that Aussie guy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned you uh, you had mentioned the being suspended thing. Um, how it's it, it runs uh, kind of amok because not only are you missing games and, and people might not understand this, literally everything at the rink for you changes in that window that you're suspended. Uh, so that that's that's something that uh, I mean, how do you? You already touched on it, so I'm I'm rambling here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's something that yeah, it it uh, it goes from 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 top to to just from your game day routine to your pregame meal right on through the thing. Um, what are you trying to ask him? Uh, yeah, just get it out. It's count. fine. I got a count. He, you no, said, already answered it. He you already said, answered it. I'm well, gone. is that like yeah. you? Had, you were like, oh, I have a I'm question gonna, for I'm you. An, an hour ago, yeah, that, that was, was a statement. We're gonna fire right off. Uh, well, I'm gonna go right out of left field now, and uh, <laughs> so you're you're part of the part of the Leafs organization. And coming up in September, Mike, we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> part of the Leafs organization, and uh, coming up in September, you got to share the rink with uh, all those guys. You got to leave anything. Uh, Newfoundland centric, probably in the stall that uh, Austin Matthews or your old buddy Morgan Riley is going to be sitting in for a few weeks for training camp. I don't know, bottle screech or something. Bottle <laughs> screech. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, knowing Morgan and stuff, we'll probably get together when they come back and and stuff like that. But I, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, there are so many Toronto Maple Leafs fans in Newfoundland that I, I think it's. It's big that, you know, we do get a exhibition game here and, and Toronto's going to hold their, their training camp here. So they they do value what, you know, Newfoundland is bringing to their organization as well, you know. Um, for the first time uh, since I started playing pro, it's, it's uh, the way that they're handling their team in the East Coast is, is – uh, they're using it as another tool that, you know, they're getting, you know, our, our team is, is super young in regards to experience outside of like myself, uh, Pards, uh, Zach O'Brien, and, you know, a, a couple other guys, everybody else is rookie. So, um, they're using it as a tool to, to bring these guys that are coming out of junior and college to, to bring them on a little more slower and, and develop their skills, rather so than throwing them in the American League where they're not playing any minutes and they just end up, you know, sitting there for a few years and then they're they're kind of pushed out. They're they're taking them, uh, putting them in this league and and developing their skills to make sure when they do um, 
make it so they show all that they're ready and, and that they can jump in and play, you know, big time minutes. So, um, it's, it, it's amazing for me how, how much Toronto is involved with our team in regards to they, they send us, you know, development staff, uh, to come down and do skills, uh, practices with us. Um, you know, every time we were in Brampton, we always skate a couple times at the, the Leafs and Marley's, uh, practice facility, uh, with like skating coaches and, and development coaches. So they're, they're super, super involved. And even, you know, last, uh, in the last couple of days when we, we ended up clinching a playoff spot, you know, you get a, a tweet from, you know, Kyle Dubas and, you know, it, it means something to obviously the organization that it shows that, you know, we're not just kind of swept under the rug and, and forgotten about, you know, we're, uh, you know, they're, we're part of their, their process and, and, and what they kind of, uh, want going moving forward. And do you find, and this is something I was kind of curious about with the growlers this year, being a lease affiliated team, um, because the last pro team we had here obviously was the ice caps who had started, um, Jets. started with the jets and then became, uh, the Habs franchise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Leafs and Habs are both teams that are very divisive here mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least yeah. people can get really divisive, like, especially the Habs. I, I find more so even than the Leafs. Mm. Um, but do you like, do you, do you guys feel any of that, like that part of it bleed over? I mean, we're, I mean, the Growlers have such a, a great set of jerseys and great, uh, great logo. It's, I saw somebody, uh, you guys won from an ad agency, gave you guys the, the best, uh, new logo in sports this season and stuff. So, I mean, it's getting a lot of love that way, but, um, not having the Leafs colors as part of your whole thing is, is do, you, do you guys, is that something that's steering away from, people looking at you guys as a Leafs franchise or do you find it's just um, not really on the radar anyway? Not necessarily. I mean, um, no matter what, we're, you're not in the, the NHL it's, and it's a local sports team. I don't think they, they look at that that much. Now that's what I see, but um, in regards to, you know, our jerseys and, and how they turned out, I, I mean, they, they turned out amazing. They, they kept them simple. Uh, the colors ended up uh, being great. Um, and I think a lot of people caught on to it more because a lot of people are saying that they were kind of what the Vegas did with their jersey. So um, that part, the, the jerseys turned out cool, man. And um, I don't know. Hopefully, if there are Montreal Canadian fans that won't come out and, and support us, hopefully, yeah, I, I do they'll, see they'll they'll change their mind a bit. I know my own my own land is a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan, but he still comes out. So uh, hopefully, we can get uh, a couple more Canadian fans in the seats. Well, I know it was something that people used to talk about a little when the when the ice cap switched. Ooh, there was a yeah. little bit of a thing because yeah, because it was announced that they were going to be a Habs franchise and that they yeah. were leaving pretty much the same day. It was a small <laughs> small riot, <laughs> and so it just didn't go over well. And so it was just wondering that you know where with you guys it it, it is such a separate affiliation. Like other than the fact that, I mean the Leafs are coming to town, which is great. I, but other than you know the the look of the team ha- doesn't. Other than the goalies uh, not using. I mean padskins are a thing, guys. Get, get, you know, get you know, uh, straighten them up there. Get rid of the blues. Come on. I, I do see a couple of old skippers wearing their uh, blue, blonde, rouge in protest whenever I'm at the game. Yeah, but that happens. <laughs> that used to be a thing. Um, that used to be a thing because when the Ice Caps first came to town, we had the Ice Caps drinking game. 
And that was always one of the things was when you saw somebody who was wearing a jersey that had nothing to do with oh, the game. Yeah. It was like not none of the teams playing, none of the players playing, and someone was just showing up to a game in a Habs jersey for no reason. That was you had to drink a beer then, right? It's always, so it's always, that's a always the, the case at a sports game, man. It's just you're always gonna. I've seen people walking around with like football jerseys on at those fucking games. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but what was ben it? But what was it? What was it like, though? Uh, I mean, because when they did, it was you that did the unveil, right? Like when they yeah. uh, like unveil the jerseys, it was you that they featured and stuff. So what's it like being? And then of course, like you know, a, a ways into the season, how long into the season was it when you were named captain? Um. Oh God, it would have been probably a month or more. I would say. Um, before it, it kind of got announced, um, I I didn't really have any, um, you know, indications that it was going to be me that was going to be captain. I mean, if you know, for the majority of people, they probably thought that it was going to be you know cards because you know his resume and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I I think with with him being out um, for majority of the first half of the the season. Um, and not kind of knowing if he was going to play all year or, or how his health was going to do. Um, I guess it, it, it might've swayed a little bit more to my side and, um, just being, you know, I, I, for him, he's, he's been in the NHL and, um, you know, high end leagues for, for his whole career. And I think maybe a little bit more familiarity with ECHL might've helped them decide for me to be captain. Um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's not, it didn't change anything for me. Um, we're obviously super fortunate that we do have Adam on our team because his, uh, resume, you know, you just can't replace that experience. And there's a lot of, uh, well, pretty much every team in this league don't don't have somebody like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with a, a team that's built um, so young with so many first-year players, um, to have a guy like him was super important for us. So um, in regards to the captaincy, obviously I was super um, proud to be named captain anytime, you know, you, you get to come play at home. Um, was super special and then to be named captain is obviously um, a huge honor and privilege but um, you know the older guys that we do have in the dressing room um, we, we do have a, a very good leadership uh, leadership group and you know everybody kind of brings a different uh, aspect in, into what way they lead and and uh, I know it's just it ended up being a, a really good mix, and um, you know it's it's been a, a very good season so far. Yeah, I mean it's great. You guys was it just over the weekend you clinched um, the playoff spot? I think it was Thursday night, I think. Uh, I think it would have been. Fr- it was Friday night because if we had. We played Reading Friday, Saturday. Um, we ended up losing on Friday night. If we had to win, we would have clinched. Um, but with a, another team losing, I think we, we clinched regardless. So we didn't clinch, you know, the way we wanted to. Um, boss, you know, at the end of the day, we we found a way to, to get ourselves to the, to the next spot. And um, 
hopefully finish off the season uh, the right way and, and hit the ground run for playoffs. And what's the what's the format? Like, do you guys do a 1-8, or is it a divisional playoff bracket? No, it's uh, divisional, so you have to go through your division first, and then okay. obviously you, you go through your conference and then uh, the finals. So it's... Uh, it's one of those formats that it's it's tough because all of our teams in our division are are really good hockey teams, and I think um, the team that's in last place in our division, which would be Reading, I do believe, they still have yeah. a chance to make playoffs, and the team that is behind us has a chance that they can finish the last in our division. So it's all. It's, it's going to be a tight race to see who gets in and, and who doesn't um, come in with the last you know, five games of the season. But wow. you're so you're hoping for the big Brampton matchup, though. <laughs> Get back. See how I, mean, the I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we've seen Brampton so much this year; it wouldn't surprise me at all if we end up playing them first round. But um, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter too much to us. We we kind of match up well with with everybody that's in our division, and uh, we're a pretty confident team at, at where we're at, and. Um, you know where we're headed uh heading into playoff time well that's great well we wish you the best of luck with it we thank you for taking the time to talk to us today i do have another question for you though before we go uh southern shore won last night confirmed their spot in the herder who do you got southern shore breakers versus grand falls windsor cataracts i gotta go with the shore it's uh i gotta be the shore gotta be the shore i got uh you know, one of my my best buddies, uh, Brandon Beard, that I grew up with. He's uh, he's playing for the Shore, so I get all the updates all the time. And obviously, you know, guys that I you know grew up playing with before we moved away um, are are all kind of playing up in, in the Southern Shore as well. So um, they all kind of give me a hard time saying, you know, when you're done, you know, the shore, got, the shore got your rights. You're not going anywhere else. So, um, Always I think that's pretty funny, race. but, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, it's a good series and it, it just goes to show. I mean, I, I've seen a couple of videos from, from the game up, uh, up there last, when was that? Yeah. Last night. And yeah. there was, you know, some, uh, quite a few fans there, so it, it shows that you know people are still passionate for senior hockey back home, and um, it's good to see. I mean, no matter what level it is, is if, if you're getting the support and and stuff like that, it uh, it helps grow again. Yeah, I'm from Grand Falls, so I got to go for the cataracts. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just glad they're coming out here. I'm gonna try to get in a couple herder games while. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm at it too. Uh, but again, thanks so much, James, for taking the time. Best of luck in the playoffs. Uh, we're all rooting for you. I can't wait. I'm hoping actually you get down to the game. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Friday or Saturday. I got so a buddy's bachelor party. We're going to wind up down there, I think so. They're in town uh, the 29th and the 30th, yeah. So looking forward to that. Uh, it's the last couple home games. And uh, best of luck with those and everything else with the season. And we'll see you in the playoffs. All right, perfect. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, James. All right, bye. Penny Posh, maternity wear reimagined. Breaking the barriers of style, fit, and comfort that often leave mothers-to-be uninspired in their new wardrobe, Penny Posh's designs have reinvented a clothing category often seen as disposable, temporary, and unattractive. Well, not with Penny Posh. Check it out. A continuous fit maternity collection from bump to bundle and beyond. You can check them out on Twitter at Penny underscore Posh, on Instagram at Penny Posh underscore maternity, 
and of course on their website www.pennyposhdesigns.com Penny Posh Designs Maternity Wear Reimagined All right, a huge thank you to James for uh, coming on the show and chatting to us uh, and now of course we'll wrap things up as we always do where we take it to the tweets Taking it to the tweets Taking it to the tweets There you go I did what? Is that your Motown? That is was, that your Motown backup singer? That was that was, I like that. That was I like my. That. Who who sings "Taking It to the Streets"? I don't remember. I don't even know. I'm sorry for. I just like the, I just like the Motown there. You just like that I actually did something yeah, that you that I that I would do and then been embarrassed about <laughs> like all week. Try to pay me money to edit it out of the show. There's, yeah. There's a moment in this show. And uh, I've offered Mike, we're up to seven bucks We're now. up to seven bucks we're right now. up to seven dollars. That's two coffee this week, Mike. That's two coffee or a pint. Or a pint. Yeah, that's, we're up to seven. We'll anyway, see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for it if it's... All right. All right. So hashtag hot take. Uh, first off, I've got, we, we, uh, we had a competition, a little, little contest on the Facebook and the Instagram and the feeds for this week's uh, hashtag hot take. There, and it was uh, something we've been doing for a couple of weeks, Rant Roar Entertainment, uh, our friends of the show. And uh, they gave us a chance to give away a couple tickets to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who's in town. If you're listening to this on Tuesdays in town tonight, there's still a chance for you to pick up tickets if you didn't win our contest. Um, and so Ricky's coming to town. He's and they've oh they've told me as well about the next one coming up, which is also going to be really fun. But um, we did a contest where we threw it out. We asked people for a hashtag hot take. Uh, on we did it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, asking people to tell us about similarities between hockey and wrestling. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we were really reaching to make this an appropriate giveaway for us to do. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest here. I tried to rig this. There for were, what? For, there, were, there were several people. Okay. Uh, whom st- <laughs> Don't say you tried to rig it I, after no, you I'm, I'm, did the draw. I, did the, I, I even said on the live, but you had more integrity than I did. Yeah, I, I there generally do. There were a couple do. of people used the hashtag hot take, and our question was, what is the greatest similarity between nine, or pro wrestling in general? Yep. And hockey, and there were several people who, uh, who who not only brought up the horrific, terrible gimmick of the goon, but they were so kind to find a stock photo of the goon to just bring me right back to being eight years old. <laughs> and anyhow, I, I told Mike, I was like, I want to give it to one of the goon guys. And you know what was what was really horrible about that yeah. is that the guy who won is one of the goon guys. Oh my God, was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter Chalk is actually the winner of the contest. Congratulations to Peter. But he actually is one of the people who combined and threw up the goon. <laughs> I was writing out all the names for the draw. And my, I was like, Mike, can we just, can we please? Can we please? And, and he was like looking at me confused. He's like, what? I was like, can we just, can we please just give it to one of the goon guys? He's like, no, we got to have an honest draw. It's a giveaway. Yeah, we're doing it live on the thing and blah, yeah, blah, blah. And, and then, I, I, okay, and then he just. I, I didn't, I, I wanted to run uh, a non-biased event. So I didn't put any asterisks or anything by the name of those who uh, who were kind enough to bring up the goon. But God love you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a couple went up. Uh, and a couple other things that people said were uh, were uh, amazing athletes. Uh, nicknames. Terrible refs. Terrible um, refs was a good one. Was that Benson? Uh, yeah, it was. Okay, I thought so. Diehard okay. fans. Uh, fans are hardcore. Uh, a sudden commitment to play a performer safety, which I love. <laughs> uh, 
Um, there's a whole bunch of great stuff there. Uh, the goon obviously showed yeah. up. Oh, Class. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of trash talking. A few good elbows come in. Here's <laughs> here's the one. Here's the one that I really wanted that no one seemed to throw out there. But to me, is the biggest the obvious one is uh, is the mullet. The mullet, yeah. Both both hockey, also, tough hockey guys, and wrestling tough, had the same horrible flow. Tough guys are usually bald with the goatee or beards too. Yeah, eh? yeah. That's another one. When you're a tough guy, you're usually bald with facial hair or a goatee in some instances. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unless you're me. Unless you're all Mike. We've already touched that you're the base model of bouncer. <laughs> I know. That was make a generic action figure of like <laughs> nightclub bouncer. It's just you. <laughs> It yeah, it comes it's, with a removable fedora. I have, yeah, my, I've got a good fedora now. Leave me alone. Um, but thank you so much to everyone who uh, got in on that and had a lot of fun with it. Uh, some great comments from everybody. And of course, uh, and also a shout out to uh, uh, Sean Kennedy, who threw up some just incredible... Oh, it's uh, the Photoshop, isn't it's it? It's the Photoshop that put the three of us on. And I don't even know who who I'm on there. I can't even tell. It's It's... But... He went deep. He found some interesting photos of us and threw it up, which you could check out. Um, but thanks to uh, everybody who took part in that. Of course, thanks to Rant and Roar. And hopefully it's a great event. Uh, it's happening March 26th. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, hopefully you'll be able to, to get there and check it out uh, tonight. And uh, stay tuned for more from Rant and Roar because uh, they're going to have a lot of fun with some stuff. They got they got a, a nice one coming up soon. Can you blink twice if it's Bret Hart? Um, it is not Bret Hart, but I can't do anything but blink right now. <laughs> you said it. I was just like, no, <laughs> but it's yeah, not it's just, just checking. Um, the hitman comes to town. My personal schedule stops. <laughs> and just. it's also, but it was also a good excuse for us to, to break out our hashtag hot take, uh, graphic. That, of course, looks like... Um, <laughs> Don't say it, we'll get sued, we'll looks, get sued. It looks like a thing. Yeah, he was in town and I missed it. Eh? Yeah. I, a, I know you told me yeah. you told me the story. Oh, I was heartbroken. But you can't tell the story now. The day, well, because he, was, he was in town the day I had a flight, yeah. and it was like the event was at 3 and my flight was at 2. And I yeah. was the one time I was looking at like the, the, the YYT website, yeah. it was like, delay, delay, <laughs> give me two hours, man. <laughs> but unfortunately it did not happen no no and no, uh no. but let's uh let's get back to another hashtag hot take yeah this is one that wasn't on the uh this was one that was parlayed to me that i really really enjoyed uh so it was i think we spent a lot of time talking about the east coast uh the east conference playoff race and i'll keep it light but i've got i've got a close friend who's cheering for the demise of the columbus blue jackets for no other reason but his hashtag hot take was the only reason we're stuck with Brian Burke <laughs> on this Sportsnet panel is because John Tortorella is currently employed. So if John Tortorella gets fired at the end of the season because they don't make the playoffs, they'll rip that suit clean off Burke and put it on torts so fast. No, they're not. Make your they're, going, they're going all in on Burke. Oh my God, no. Nah, they're going all in on Burke. John Tortorella is so much sharper, younger, funnier, just as crusty, just as angry, just as Concherry. Concherry? Concherry? Was Concherry a bit of a slip there on purpose? It was a little bit. Because that's the thing is, I feel like like they're they're, they're queuing up, and I've said this to you before, I really think they're queuing up Berkey for when Cherry retires. Yeah, so what is it going to be? Failed GM's corner? (laughs) Coach's corner makes sense for Tortorella. 
He's a coach. Yeah, but it's... He's perfect for it, man. He's no nonsense. He's He is like, right now, he's the I same... Just, I don't think you're going to have Tortorella... Um, I don't think you're going to have Tortorella... Out of a job that long? Out of, well, out of a job that long. And I think he's going to be somebody who, for one... The other thing is that he's uh, one of those American coaches with an asterisk who's like the second... Him and Laviolette are back and forth this year on who's the winningest... American-born coach, and it's one of those like asterisks because there's no ties anymore. So I think it's a bullshit stat. Um, but uh, the other thing is that like Torch Torch doesn't have a cup yet, does he? Are you kidding me right now? Torch has a cup with the Lightning, dude. Oh right, Torch, the yeah. fucking Lightning team. Except if you're listening, and certain people who are Calgary Flames fans might be listening, they will say Puck was in the net party. Jelena, Martin Martin Jelena, who was traded for Wayne Gretzky. Uh, he was. <laughs> Jelena was part Jelena I don't know if he's married or anything that's a tinder bio for you Martin Jelena was drafted by the Kings Mm -hmm. and before he played a game for them was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for Wayne Gretzky Um, and then he scored a a cup winning goal in Calgary that didn't get called and it was bullshit but yeah you're right he does have a cup with them fuck I forgot that he was a coach Tortorella is the perfect fit I forgot he was the fucking coach of that team he's absolutely flawless except he might be too good and that he'll keep getting coaching jobs until it's not worth his while because he's old yes but what we can do we can rig it so what we'll do is we'll make it so wherever Torts goes We'll just send Matt Duchesne there, and then they'll go on a fucking skid and lose, and then he'll get fired, and then he'll, you know, need that job again. We'll be fine. I started to wonder, like, you think Matt Duchesne might Alexander Dagg and just retire? Just just give it up? I would hope. <laughs> let's, let's, well, I know who our guest next week won't be. It will, yeah, fucking won't be. <laughs> that's that's what I'd actually be like. Nope, just don't want. Um, <laughs> don't answer his calls. But yeah, no, I, I get what I get what you're saying. I think I think Torts would be great for it. I, you know I, who else I, I love and I, and I miss is Claude Noel. Oh yeah, Claude. Actually, uh, did, who we have got, on the show that that was played for him? Um, Colburn. Colburn had the Claude Noel. Was it Colburn or Linger? I can't remember. Yeah, one of I gotta the, I check. Think it was, no, it was Colburn. Colburn had the Claude Noel thing because uh, oh. one of our one of our good Twitter guys, uh, North End Rick, also uh, hit us up with a hashtag hot take that same week after it was the uh, Colburn episode and mm-hmm. said that he uh, that uh, Claude Noel was one of the best soundbite guys, one of the most underrated soundbite right. guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so, I'm just trying to, to remember where it was, but yeah, I think it was unless, uh, of course, uh, Rick was talking about Paul Maurice, which might be the might be the case. No, well. I think it was. I, was I, it Claude Noel? I think it was Claude Noel. Um, but uh, I can't. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to find it here. Uh, but I think it was Claude Noel. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Colburn. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I, th- I think I think that's who it was. I think I think Noel was was it playing then, if I'm not mistaken. He might have been a uh, wearing an A or something like that. But I, 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 I'm not even sure. But um, let's see. No, I think no. He was coaching. He, oh, okay. He's been coaching. Shit. Oh. Claude Noel has been coaching. He finished playing in '87, '88. But he's been uh, a, a he was a player assistant coach for the Toledo Gold Diggers, and has been coaching since then. And so he has been a, a coach, either uh, OHL or uh, AHL or ECHL. He's been all over the place. But yeah, it was the Dayton Bombers uh, with so Darren Colburn and Darren Dayton. Langdon. There you go. Yeah, it was too. And, and Darren Langdon, of course, played in that game last night as well. 
Uh-huh, yeah, so he did. He was wearing what appeared to be his helmet was spray-painted blue. He had a matte blue helmet. It was <laughs> yeah, weird, man. Definitely spray-painted. No, it wasn't spray-painted. It was just matte. It was just oh, like a matte yeah. finish. You can get them. It's just, yeah, they're not common. You usually see them in black helmets, but I don't think I've seen a matte, like a matte blue uh, and it was just weird because he's wearing like full Rangers regalia and then the matte blue helmet yeah, that yeah, was the same color but just not right. the, the glossy finish you normally see on an NHL bucket but of course if you've made it uh, this far it's been a long program yeah, Terry drops in and out he's actually uh, he's got that game again yeah, so yeah if you're not on the road so uh, I think they're in fortune tomorrow yeah. night with those guys so if you're in fortune and you're not uh, in St. John's going to see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, mm-hmm. uh, then um, you should go check out that game. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully the announcer doing play-by-play is a lot better than the guy <laughs> they had in Torbay the other night. Um, <laughs> apologies to anybody who listens. And uh, I realized, too, I didn't even say who I was. I realized afterwards. Like, I didn't oh. even be like, hey, it's Mike from Third Man In, and I'm here doing play-by-play for you. never even did that. Wow. Just got so nervous about, puts, like, announcing these guys that I just puts got... Puts a suit on yeah. and forgets everyone he left behind. Yeah, eh? it, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Jeez, you're like one of the Brat Pack that isn't named <sighs> Sammy Davis Jr. Did you say Brat Pack? Yeah, it was the Brat Pack. Was no, it was rat, the Rat, rat pack. pack. The Brat Jesus. Pack was all those kids in the 80s with, like, yeah, Rob right, Lowe and shit. right. That was a good joke that I balked. You, you oh, did. Yeah, you ruined botched. it. That's a botched job there. Uh... But uh, on that, I think we should probably call this one. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't even know. Time of death. It's, yeah, it, it, it's got a lot to it to get pieced together. And uh, thanks for sticking it out. It's this weird thing where whatever, TR is not here, me and you just ramble about shit. It's, it's true. We really need him to keep us in line. I was going to say, people would rarely guess that Terry's the one that keeps us in line. Yeah. But uh, history has proven otherwise. Well, it's also Terry's a busy guy and he's normally got a place to be. Like, normally, like, normally Terry's like, okay, can be. Yeah. Can we can, can we, we stop talking about up? whatever this is? Because I gotta get my coat on and yeah. get the fuck out the door. I've, I've got to go play hockey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if we go too long, he gets fed up. And he's just like, "All right, guys, I'll see you." <laughs> yeah. And he's gone out the door. All but right. uh, hopefully, you guys aren't like that and you stock around to the end. We don't have any code or anything this time through. But uh, like we did the last time, and then failed to. Uh, live up to <laughs> check check, check with us to find out if if uh, the was... NHLers win uh, if the NHLers beat the local legends in fortune tomorrow night oh, check yeah, with us I about also, that we had like a three hour one I was like tweet me and I'll give you a gas card and <laughs> someone did and I was like buddy I'm not doing that <laughs> I was like that's a joke <laughs> <laughs> but here we are it's the end of the episode so thank you to Steve Parsons for taking the time to chat to us yesterday thanks to James Melindy of course good luck to James and the Newfoundland Growlers uh, in the upcoming playoffs of course the rest of the season they still have five games left two of which are here in St. John's if uh, if you're around this weekend you can check them out uh, and then uh, the weekend after next uh, they are in uh, on the road hitting Manchester Worcester and Maine um, so Did you Mal- say that? Is it Worcester? Worcester. Worcester. All right. <laughs> That's how you say it. And the same way from- you say Worcestershire. Worcestershire. That's it's Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even trying that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to everybody who's been patient. Yeah, you know what I do got? Nylon. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to Parsons. I went to Parsons after. I was just like, so should I get on the mic and just like confirm with him that it's nylon like pylon? He was like, no, do not fucking say that. Then he will come up. I was like, okay, so fine. I'm not going to do that. I'm out. So, he's with a stick just taking out the windows yeah. of every car because he doesn't know which one's yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Scary dude, man. Probably yeah, a nice and, guy. And, and he seems super sweet, but yeah, just scared the shit out of me yeah. last night. Uh, but thanks everyone for tuning in. We're trying to get the fuck out of here. Uh, we will be 
back next week to talk at you about hockey then. Uh, until then, follow us uh, on all the social media stuff uh, at 3MI Podcast across the board. I'm at Hickey, comma, Mike. I'm at Smokes and Doors, which people keep asking me about, but and, I don't smoke. <laughs> and Terry is at Terry Ryan 20 or 2020, depending on which of the social meds. Jersey you're on. number and his vision. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back, like I said, next week to talk to you about hockey. Talk to you then. Bye. Later. Crowd, the worst crowd.